This week on Out Now with Internet, we are talking Ant-Man and the Wasp, colon, Quantumania. He gets big, he gets small, he gets really, really small. Welcome back, welcome back. Yeah, we tease him a lot. Welcome back, welcome back. Cause we got him on the spot. We are now recording, and this is Out Now with Aaron and Abe. I am Aaron, and Abe is not here as of yet, but he should be joining us fairly soon. Out Now is a film podcast. We're aiming to discuss new movies weekly. We dig into movies via most spoiler for your review, the occasional commentary track, or some other fun movie topic. This is episode, this is episode 522, 522, and this week we are talking Ant-Man and the Wasp, colon, Quantumania. That's one of the first of many ways I'll be saying Quantumania throughout this episode, but that is the plan for today. And joining us to discuss Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania, we have from the YouTube series Initial Reaction, trying to get a read on how many holes he has, it's Philip Andy Price. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, I, I I can't figure it out. I can't figure it out. Maybe seven? I don't know. We'll see. It's good to be here, though. Thank you. Maybe we'll figure it out during the course of this show. <laughs> also joining us from such podcasts as Too Fast, Too Forever, and 1999, the podcast, adding the word quantum to every sentence he can, it's Joey Lewandowski. Quantum, hello. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Hi. Uh, glad to have you guys here. Glad to have you both back. Philip, I know it's been a minute. Um we've been trying to get you on for a while here. I know. I I can't even remember the the last one I was actually able to make. I remember the failed attempt at Don't Worry Darling, obviously. Um thanks again to Saxon for filling out in on me there. But yeah, so happy to be back and, and talking movies with you guys. So thanks for for being persistent and not 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 stopping at and not stopping asking me because uh, I was like, keep asking. One day we're gonna make this happen. And today is that day. So I'm so happy to be here. I'm I'm glad it's that day. And, <laughs> and Joey, glad to have you back on here as well. Yeah, glad to be here. I think uh, the last time I was on was for probably for F9. So hoping that Joe and I get the call back up to the big leagues for Fast X when it comes out in a few months. But uh, don't if worry. not, don't okay. worry. Yeah, we will we will surely have plenty of Fast and Furious talk uh, coming our way in the future. Wonderful. Uh, well, I mean, yes. I'm sorry, quantum, wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> well, yes, it is good to have you both of you guys here. Excited to talk about the latest MCU film slash phase five starting points. There's so many things uh, to talk about. Uh, but yeah, we're, we'll get to all of that in a little bit. First up, let's get to some show notes. Uh, first thing to track here. Um, last week was a Super Bowl Sunday. Um, this week is a big blockbuster movie. But during last week's show... Uh, in, sp- in in lieu of talking about a main film, I actually told a story about how I got stung by a Portuguese man of war. Um, Abe and I thought this was a very entertaining episode, so be sure to check that out because um, it's quite the tale uh, to recap. Um, yeah, a lot of fun there. Uh, ch- check out all our bonuses, and you can do so by logging on to iTunes, where you can find all of our shows, uh, which would be great because you'd be like, look at all those shows, look at all that stuff I could be listening to. And you can also click on the old tab that says reviews and ratings and give us such thing a rating and review which would be great pop us up in the old itunes charts i get the uh, get the word out about aaron's adventures with jellyfish let alone all the hundreds of episodes that we've done over the years um so yeah thank you in advance what else new commentary track it is now february it's been february for a minute now and we are going to record our latest commentary track actually tomorrow at the time of this recording uh it is going to continue our i love la theme for commentaries where we talk about various action and action comedies that are set in los angeles over a series of decades in film history last month we talked about john carpenter's assault on precinct 13 this month we are talking martin breasts beverly hills cup starring one eddie murphy uh, so that is 
the plan. That should be a lot of fun to record as well. And yeah, I think that wraps up the show notes. So let's move on. Let's get to Out Now Quickies. DM. Each week at Out Now, we talk about the leader week. That's how we go to Out Now Quickies. DM. All right. Uh, Philip, I'm going to start with you. What other movies have you seen recently? Uh, it was kind of a dry week this week, but last weekend I, I saw um, Consecration and the latest Magic Mike, Magic Mike's Last Dance, as well as um, somebody I used to know on Prime. Um, and I think that's, I think that's as far as like new releases, that's that that's what else I've been doing. I did rewatch the Ant Man's, and then after Last Dance last week, I went back and rewatched the first two Magic Mike. So it's been a uh, a week of um, a week of trilogies for me. But um, yeah, you know, Consecration was was okay. Really, like looked looked nice, well done, well constructed, but pretty forgettable. And then uh, Magic Mike's Last Dance was totally enjoyable. Yeah, you know, I feel bad. It's kind of like not going into as many theaters, not getting as much press, not getting as, you know, much box office, but, um, but I, I, I really enjoyed it. So, you know, if you're a fan of the series, I, I hope more people end up finding it down the line. I, I would, you know, I kind of think Soderbergh doesn't really care. I mean, obviously he wants oh, no, to be yeah. a success, but I feel like he's so beyond the studio thing at this point where he's like, I made it. It's out. Yeah. Well, this is one of those rare ones that was supposed to be an HBO Max thing and then got the the call up. Instead of getting bumped down to streaming, it got called up from streaming into theater. Yeah. So maybe that's why it's sort of having this weird kind of middle ground. I don't know. Well, it was Perhaps. weird because that first week, apparently it was like an exclusive with, I don't know if it was Cinemark or what, but I saw it at a Cinemark theater. And then it seems like this weekend uh, it expanded to a lot more chains, I think, and and other people were able to play it. So that was kind of odd too. I felt like because it, it felt almost like a limited release that uh, that last weekend. But yeah, no, I mean between I mean his output's been crazy the last couple of years on on HBO and everything. So no, I think he's just he's he's just working, man. He just likes to to work and make stuff. So and I'm happy to happy to watch it. As I said, and as one who's had two out of the last like four films he's made wind up on my top 10 list i like that soderbergh just kind of drops in every year it's like i got a movie here you go it's on hbo max like whatever yeah uh, and then just like you know moves out <laughs> it's like does does, does something else <laughs> just does his thing the way he wants to and seems to be getting by really well with it so does he have another one coming out this year i th- i believe so actually i believe he does have a movie on I feel, say, I feel like I read something about that, but yeah, it's like awesome, amazing. I'm, I'm, I think it's I'm with Benicio, if I'm not mistaken. Again, too. I don't know. I gotta look it up, but oh, yeah, wow. he's yeah, he's got he's always got something that works. So. Yeah. <laughs> How was consecration? I'm sorry. I, I... You know, it it was weird because it kind of had like um, like a slow burn, like more thriller almost than horror for the majority of the runtime. Kind of had like a you know, like a seventies feel to the the look of it and the the pacing of it and everything mm-hmm. as far as horror movies go. Um uh cool premise, you know, as like um as like a lapsed Catholic, pretty intriguing premise. And I, I kinda liked where they were headed with it, but by the time, you know, we we wrapped it up, it was kind of like, oh, okay, that's fine, I guess. And then I'll probably never think or think about it or watch it again. So <laughs> I, it was it was completely serviceable but uh, also completely forgettable so uh but but you know um it was cool jenna malone is really like um you know kind of carries the whole thing on her shoulders but yeah pretty landscapes some pretty bad cgi but you know um not a whole lot of scares but it it, it was fine but I, i'd be mad if i paid 13 dollars for it on a friday night i hear you all right 
Well, Joe, what uh, what have you been seeing recently? I also saw Magic Mike's Last Dance, and I really, really liked it. It's not as perfect of a movie as XXL, but I mean, again, what can be? Uh, but I, I really enjoyed it. I'm, I'm so, also sort of bummed that more, more people are not going out there to see it or knowing about it or whatever. Uh, but I think that there, there was this weird, you know, buzz about like negative or mixed reviews. And I think it's really good. I mean, Soderbergh, we were talking before we started recording that like, he's just really good at what he does and he knows, you know, how to make movies and things even like quote unquote lesser Soderbergh. And I don't think that this is one of those are better than most movies, right? Like he's just really good at what he does. So uh, I second the idea, go see it if it's near you, or I'm sure it's gonna be on HBO Max in like a month or something. So if you want to wait, you can wait too. I also saw uh, a couple of horror movies at home. I saw Alone at Night and There's Something Wrong with the Children, neither of which I liked very much and don't have much to say about either. I really hated those kids. You know, there's something wrong with the children. Yeah. Which, yeah. which works for me because that's what I want from a creepy kid movie. Kids that I really don't like. Yeah. <laughs> like that movie has such a, and again, it, not a, not a really unique, interesting premise, but like, I feel like the premise is pretty cool. And then the movie doesn't want to be about that. It wants to be about something else entirely. And I liked seeing Saracen from Friday Night Lights there, QB1, uh, popping up as an adult. Who has uh, but, the mo- he generally has like the most miserable time in movies. Like every yeah. time I see him in something, it's usually a horror movie and he's usually the guy that gets shit on the whole movie. <laughs> and the movie looks great. And I think, you know, it, it kind of works at points, but I don't know what it, it feels like. It's about like a relationship drama and it's like, oh, also the kids are being weird. Just like, well, hold, what do you want to, like, what movie are you trying to make here? So I, I was not really a fan of Either. And then, you know, the Ashley Benson with every like rapper and, you know, Gen Z influencer and whatever, like, you know, I like her as a performer, as an actor a lot. I like Ashley Benson, but, you know, that movie I don't think is very good. All right. Have you seen that one? Did you know that? About, do you know about that or no? I Alone at I, Night? I've heard about it. I don't know. I haven't seen it, though. No. It's like she's like a cam girl and then like things get weird when she's alone in the woods. Like it's I'm just trying to watch like a lot of horror because I feel like at the end of the year, I'm like, oh, there were like 100 horror movies that I didn't see. And like some of them got to be good. So I'm trying to like get through those because I feel like I can get a better sense of like what's good mainstream movies just by like sort of general consensus. But horror is kind of harder for me to to parse. And so I'm just trying to keep up with those. And like overall, I'm not having great success. All right. Yeah, you know. I Wish I had better news to report, but Magic Mike, very good. Okay. Uh, I've seen a couple of things uh, this past week. Um, the first is the other release of the week called Marlowe. Uh, this is the Neil Jordan, Liam Neeson, neo-noir where Liam Neeson plays Philip Marlowe. Uh, this is notably not based on a Raymond Chandler Mar- Mar- Marlowe novel. This is based on a 2014 novel that just uses the character's name um the features a solid cast you have jessica lang and diane kruger uh, among many other like supporting actors uh the thing is this movie uh sucks <laughs> it's not very good cool um, it uh, oh, wow. it's not entirely surprising given that it's a february release of another Liam Neeson does things um, <laughs> at the early part of the year. We kind of just forget about them uh, line of films, but being a Neil Jordan movie, a director who's, you know, made a number of notable films. Uh, it really feels odd that he's like slumming his way through something like this, especially when there's so much potential for a neo-noir Marlowe film with Liam Neeson in it. Um, it looks nice. I can say that it's set in the forties, obviously in Los Angeles. It has a look to it where, Despite the lower budget, you know, it has the period costumes and stuff like that. But there's some like nice 
choices in the lighting and things during certain nighttime scenes and whatnot. It's just the story is very paint by numbers. There is just no surprise in this whatsoever. Uh, this would honestly feel better if it was like a parody film as opposed to a straight ahead neo-noir. Um, and it's unfortunate because there's potential for something like this, but everyone seems to be just kind of going through the numbers. Like even Neeson doesn't seem really invested in this. Just feels like more like, yeah, I'll play Philip Marlowe. Why not? Um, which is a shame. Um, I also watched the Oscar nominated documentary Naval- Navalny. Uh, this is the film about Alex- Alexei Navalny, who is uh, basically the, the the opposition to Putin. The guy who's mm. out there saying things that should be said as far as why Putin's terrible, why I should be leading the nation, what have you. Um, but it largely goes over the event where he was poisoned in 2020 and what led to that and what happened afterward. Um, and be- in using that framing, the film that's directed by uh, Daniel Rower, um, it works as a like a, a thriller, like as far as documentaries go, like it obviously provides various amounts of context or whatnot to give you a sense of who Navalny is and what he stands for and what have you and deals with some of the things that are somewhat controversial involving him as far as who he associates with in an attempt to, again, voice his opinions against Putin. But it really centers around this whole poisoning incident, which is kind of not kind of it is insane. It is insane to think about this as far as a as far as the idea of someone being poisoned in real life and all the steps that went into it. And there is a number of things that are certainly quite interesting that includes one like really crazy phone call that hap- that actually happened <laughs> and you listen to it and it's like, wow, uh, this is real life. Uh, things like this happen. Um, it's certainly uh, it, it's a good it's a good doc. I uh, I've now seen all of the nominated documentaries. I'd have to like think about it as far as which one I really favor the most, but I was quite the fan of Navalny. I think it's a really, really solid documentary. It's on HBO Max, so it's cool. very easy to watch. Um, I watched uh, a movie called Linoleum. Uh, this is the new movie for director Colin West, who it stars Jim Gaffigan as a uh, kind of a, a boring Ohio guy uh, who has like a wife and daughter. The wife's played by Rhea Seahorn from uh, Break, uh, Better Call Saul. Kim Wexler. And, yeah, Kim Wexler. And um, basically, a a rocket crashes down from space in front of his house, and it kind of reignites his wishes to uh, have become an astronaut when he was younger. And it sort of just goes from there. There is it. It works as kind of a quirky comedy with a bit of like sci-fi stuff on the side, similar to something like I don't know, Safety Not Guaranteed, as far as kind of the tone, where it's mm-hmm. kind of. It has a certain relaxed pace, but it has these characters you sort of get to know, and there's a sense of humor to it. Um, where it goes is not for me to say, but I do think it's quite good. And I think Jim Gaffigan, a comedian that I you know I enjoy, he's giving like career best work here as an actor. I think he's really really, really good oh. in this movie. Um, and he also he he has a doppelganger. He has he has, he gets to play two roles in this movie. Actually, there's like a more successful version of him that's also like moved in next door, which becomes a plot point as well. Um, and it's just good work all around. It's uh, it's kind of unassuming and low key, and it's kind of presentation, but I, but it's quite clever, quite uh, quite engaging, and it has a really good ending. I really like the ending of this movie. I don't think I've ever even heard of this movie before. And I like the poster and I love Kim Wexler and I like Jim Gaffigan. And I thought he was great on his show that he made with his wife. Like I'm interested in looking at this. I, I, I want to see this now. 
it's, yeah, I, I'm going I, to as well. I certainly recommend it. Yeah, it's coming soon into I think like select theaters. It's from uh, Shout Shout gotcha. Studios. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, so it's uh, it'll be out there. It'll be out there soon enough. Uh, but certainly uh, worthwhile. Um, let's see. So another film I think I could talk about. I think it opens like this week in theater, or it comes on like Paramount or something. It's called Unseen. Um, this is a thriller. It's a Blumhouse thriller, to be more specific. And the premise is quite clever. This is like a 75-minute movie. Perfect speed for me. <laughs> so it's like something <laughs> I can watch quick. Uh, but it's it's pretty clever. It involves a woman who's been kidnapped by her ex-boyfriend. Um, she has glasses. She breaks the glasses, but is able to escape from her ex-boyfriend, who's like taking her away to some cabin in the woods. So now she's in the woods. She can't really see, but she has her phone. And what does she do? She gets a random phone call. And task this other woman who's like multiple states away to use FaceTime to help guide her through the woods to help her escape from her boyfriend who's chasing after her. Um, it's a it is a solid thriller as far as what it's doing. It is very stylish. There's a lot of split screen use and whatnot to kind of convey the use of FaceTime and whatnot. Um, it has sought for what it is. It has solid performances, and uh, I, I I quite enjoyed this. It got to a point where at the end I'm like. There's there's a way where this could either just kind of fall apart or just be exactly what it is. And it turns out to be just like what it is while still having made me engaged enough to be like, I care about this. I care about the outcome of this situation. Um, it's just good stuff. Good straight ahead filmmaking. I enjoyed it quite a bit. Unseen. Cool. I looked it up while you were talking. It looks like it comes out March 7th. So maybe two weeks out, but pretty close. Okay. Another cool poster. I like the poster of this one, too. Yeah, it's solid. I will say, as we're looking ahead, uh, this next weekend has two of my most anticipated early year uh, <laughs> releases, Cocaine Bear, of course, but also the Megan Director's Cut, the M3 Gun Director's Cut. Um, I'm very excited to see both of those. Yeah, I... Mithrigan. I had it pronounced that way. <laughs> Mithrigan is certainly... I, I'm certainly here. It's it's one I'll definitely throw on in the background at some point while I'm working. To be Wait, like, have you seen the original one? or Have you seen like the theatrical version or no? I've seen the theatrical version. Yeah, yeah. I'm, just, I'm, I'm curious to see it yeah. in its unrated form, which I'm sure is just like, oh, now there's blood. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> but even then, I love the theatrical version. That's my favorite movie of the year so far, and I just I want to see it get even more unhinged. I mean, I don't know, I don't know if it's going to be crazy, like really crazy or not. But uh, you know, *Malignant* is amazing. So if it's anything more like *Malignant* than we already got, like sign me up. I <laughs> like this small like one universe that he's been outside the conjuring that's happening and like the potential that it seems to have. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll mention one more thing that I watched because it's a weird blind spot that I've had um, that I, I finally got around to seeing. Um, it is the film Chicago, which won best picture back in 2002. For I watched reason, that for the first time, like a month or two ago. Huh? For, well, for some reason, I'd never seen it. I don't know why it escaped me. Um, and it just never occurred to me to like go sit down and watch it. Uh, but I have to say, it's quite good. <laughs> it's a solid movie. And it makes me wonder what the hell happened to Rob Marshall because he's become a terrible director. <laughs> but this movie has like all the stuff that like would work about a movie that that needs to be Chicago. Like it leads into being a stage production. Um, it, it has good performances. It's shockingly not very long. I was worried it's gonna be like, oh, this is gonna be like two and a half hours watching all this. And it's like, no, it's like under, it's like an hour, 45 minutes. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> and it's really fun and engaging and like life and full of life. Uh, I, and looking at like 
2002 as a year, as far as his nominations goes, like it's a weird year as far as the Oscars are concerned. But it's like, I get it. I get why this would win. Um, and once again, I do wonder what the hell happened to Rob Marshall? Like it's this is this is so much better than everything he's done. He's probably one of the <laughs> worst directors to have multiple block but multiple billion dollar movies at the box office. <laughs> yeah, that it's a weird trajectory though. I've thought that too. Yeah. So yeah. Did you, Joe, did you like Chicago? Were you a fan of Chicago? I did. I had no I had no idea. I knew it was a musical. I knew vaguely who was in it, but I had no idea it took place in prison. And I was just like, oh. So like my entire like premise of the movie was like out the window. So I was like, oh, people, okay, sure. Like I, you know, but I, I did the same thing. Like when I was watching, I'm just like, what else was nominated this year? Like, what else? And I'm just like, I don't know if I know like any of these, but like it was a weird, like that was a weird, not dark time, but just like I'm not as familiar with that era and like award nominated. Like that's when I was still like, Oh, two was like the cusp for me between like middle school and high school. So like, okay. I definitely wasn't seeing stuff like this or like, you know, Oscar stuff. So yeah, I don't know why I, I was just like, this like, is a weird, like dark time. It's that it's two towers. Of course. Uh, what the pianist is in there. Cause that one's best director. Um, I just had this too. What is it? <laughs> what are the other nominee? The hours, of course, the hours. That's the hour. Oh, right. Yeah. Um, never seen that one. I haven't I've either, and it's because it's hard to be like, you know what? I need a, I need a good laugh. Let me put on the hours. <laughs> 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 um, here we go. Gangs of New York, The Hours, Two Towers, Chicago, and the and the uh, the pianist. Uh, so yeah, it's a yeah, it's a pretty heavy year. <laughs> I, I've seen. I, I guess. I guess my thing is like I've seen. I've seen four of those. I've not seen the pianist, but like. It just feels like I I don't like know like it's just a weird grouping of movies I think maybe that's the bigger the, the better way to say it it is you're not wrong like and there's 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 a lot of notable like 2002 movies yeah this is like a, this is the takeaway it's like they all certainly feel like the movies you would nominate for best picture <laughs> like, yeah exactly yeah, hours gangs of New York Chicago the pianist the, the you know Lord of the Rings like I get it I get where that's coming from. But if you look at like that year, like adaptation, catch me if you can, City of God, like movies that I like a lot more, that I'm more, you know, comfortable with, familiar with, whatever. No, not 25th hour. City of God, technically, that was they that was 2003 because that got nominated for like four Oscars the next year. Which was oh, good. Okay, good. Yeah, okay, good. Okay, okay. Got a best picture editor, screenplay, not picture, uh, director, editor, screen, whatever. It got a number nominated, so I was like, cool, that's great. Uh, but yeah, as far yeah, there are like several movies here. It's like, huh. <laughs> and this is what we wound up with, right? Mm-hmm. It's like 2008, which doesn't have, you know, the Dark Matter Wally, but does have The Reader. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> a movie that exists. <laughs> um, so, or a Frost Nixon. A movie I like, but it's still like, when, when we talk about Frost Nixon, what is, what is that? <laughs> yeah. What is that you know, I, I still think that the, uh, like the, the Academy has like weird, like, I don't put a lot of stock into the Academy Awards. I'd rather like hear like something like you or Mark Hoffmeyer, friend of the show, friend of our show too. Like something like you guys, like a movie you guys are super passionate about that like you think that I would like, I would put way more stock in that than like, oh, this was nominated for best picture. But I do think overall there we're not like, it's not the quote unquote award movie I think has become less uh, stuffy maybe in the last, you know, 15, 20 years. Oh, so I think it's a, a good thing. Oh, it's, very oh, much, yeah. it's very much evolved for sure. That's no, no doubt about that. I mean, you got Top Gun and Avatar and everything everywhere all at once competing for best picture. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, I was it's gonna say, yeah. And, and, and the past year we had, you know, uh, you know, Fish Lover winning best picture and among <laughs> other things. I mean, it's, it's, a lot of, it's a lot of wild choices there that won and Green Book. 
so <laughs> all right uh what were we talking about that's right chicago that's at no quickies <laughs> let's move on now let's get to our trailer talk where we talk about one of the newest movie trailers of the week when it's coming out what we thought of it what have you and this week we are talking the trailer for the flash a movie that's been long in the making a movie that was announced as happening when the flash tv show started um uh, the flash tv show uh, has gone on now for i want to say nine seasons <laughs> Um, so here we are. We finally got to the actual Flash movie, which stars uh, America's Most Wanted, Ezra Miller, as well as uh, a number of other people, including Michael Keaton. Uh, the film, I wanted to chart these directors because it's been a long time and we've had a lot of people engaged in this. Uh, but it started out with Phil Lord and Chris Miller. Then it was Seth Graham Smith. Then it was Rick Famuyiwa. Then like there was a possibility that it could have been Robert Zemeckis, of all people, or Matthew Vaughn. Then it was John Francis Daly and Jonathan Goldstein. But now we've settled on Andy Muschietti, director of the It films, as well as Mama. Um, so he has finally come in and be like, guys, I got I got the I got the golden ticket. I know what I got to do to make this Flash movie happen. And now after a variety of things that have shifted the script timeline and what have you involving the Flash, we actually have a movie that is, I guess, designed to bring some closure to the Zack Snyder universe of DC films and rearrange things to set things forward for the next iteration of DC films. I feel like all that's accurate. Joe, I'm going to go to you first. What, what do you think of this flash trailer? Are, are you excited for where we are this pivot point for DC films? Well, that's a very loaded question. Yes, it is. <laughs> I think this is a very exciting trailer. You know, I don't normally watch trailers, but for you, I will watch a trailer every once in a while. Appreciate it. And I think it's a very exciting trailer. I think it's it reveals so many things that I would rather have not known and just been surprised in the theater and just seen. Um, my 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 initial take, and I knew that this was a premise of the movie, is that like I'm already I'm still exhausted by the 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 multiverse, like don't do this. Like we already, we've done it everywhere. And I know that like, like DC basically hasn't done it. I know that DC is going to have like six different Batman or whatever. Um, but we don't need that. I don't think, but whatever, that's neither here nor there. Um, I, a week and a half ago or whenever DC, like James Gunn had that like a little press conference or just put out that, that press release or whatever, which is like, here's what we're mapping out for the next like six years of DC or whatever. Going into that, like when they announced that that was going to happen, I was like, I don't want to get excited because like every time Marvel does that thing at wherever, like the, you know, at Comic-Con or wherever, I'm like, this is so exciting. And then it's like four years of waiting and like things get pushed back and delayed, whatever. And I'm just like, all right, whatever. And I'm like, I'm not going to get excited again. I don't care. I'm just going to whatever. And then I read all those things. I'm like, this sounds really good. And like, I fell into the trap once again. Um, I, I think it's a weird kind of middle, like I, I, I've heard people talk about this movie as like, it's like one of the best DC movies and like, it's this pivot point and whatever. And I know that, you know, what did you say? America's most wanted Ezra Miller. Like I'm sure that they would rather have them kind of go away um, that they were not, you know, at the heart of this pivot point film, but like, I think this movie is going to be good or at least fun. And I, I, are we going to have two Batman, three Batman more? Like, I don't know how many are going to be in this movie, but I'm excited to see what comes of it. Um, yeah, I think it's going to be good. I hope we'll see. Philip, how about you? Are you excited for the flash? Are you invested in where DC's going? I am actually like, I'm, I don't know why, uh, you know, I kind of fell off watching the show 
had no real investment in the flash beforehand. Um, haven't really even like loved Ezra Miller's, uh, you know, like iteration of the character in the, in the past movies that he's appeared in, but like, I don't know. There's just something about this, something about the idea of him have finally having his own movie, but also like, I mean, the idea of Keaton as Batman again, it just feels so insane, but that it's actually happening is like, this is unreal. Um, and just seeing it like all fleshed out. I love the way the, especially the first part of the trailer. I love the way it looks. It looks so much more grounded and tangible than anything else we've seen in this genre lately, um, which got me really amped for it. The latter half of the trailer, maybe not as much, but hey, you know, there's there's, there's a little bit of time to go. Um, but I like um, Machete's style. Anyway, like I loved how the, the It movies and, and Mama too, like I loved the, the aesthetic of those and how they, um, and how they looked. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm genuinely just like excited to see uh, yeah it's got a lot on its plate clearly but like i'm excited to see where this goes and and what it does and even kind of more excited that this might be just like a rarity uh in this universe like this might be the only time miller is playing this character you know we may never see him in this role again i don't know what's going to happen going forward um but it just feels like um this exception to the rule at this point it's just weird because it's definitely doing that um like multiverse type thing but um but yeah it just feels like it's going to be pretty epic and i'm excited for that yeah i i guess i want to be cautiously optimistic is where i'm at like i i hear what you're saying joey as far as the idea of ex, you know announcing all this stuff and like trying to get me excited it's like well i guess cool but what are how when when how are we delivering these things right. what's that going to amount to that's where i'm at here where it's like cool like i mean i like james gunn and mm -hmm. uh, you know it's it's nice to hear that there is an idea in place although i don't think that's really required but it's like okay we got something going i also i just can't concern myself too much with multiverse stuff because it's like right I, i'm not going to get confused by these things this isn't shakespeare <laughs> this isn't these aren't this isn't like i don't know a mammoth screenplay it's not like there's a lot of complexity when it comes to which batman is it's like well the actor looks like that therefore it's that batman i don't know right. like whatever <laughs> who cares <laughs> like i <laughs> I'm not gonna try to justify like which universe belongs where it's like they're movies, they're comic mm -hmm, movies, whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, as far as this flash goes, here's the thing. I like what I'm seeing at the same time compared to you, Philip. I'm over three with Andy Machete. I did not like either it movie, mm -hmm. I didn't like Mama. Yep. So it's like oh, okay. I yeah, me, same here. I I so it's you know, it, it's you know, hiring him on after all these other people which, you know, I got more or less excited about various forms of these. It's like, okay, well, they got somebody, and they got somebody that Warner Brother clearly trusts because he made them two blockbuster It movies. Like, I get it. I get where that choice comes from. Maybe it's just his handle on horror that doesn't really excite me, so perhaps he's just suited for a superhero universe where it doesn't rely on certain things that I have to kind of get into. Regardless, I like what I'm seeing, honestly. I think it looks like it wants to have a level of fun while also adding some some stakes that I find interesting. The idea of Zod being back is neat. And, you know, who's not going to get excited to see Michael Keaton doing his thing in a mix of him standing still and then CG version of Michael Keaton doing fight moves and stuff. I'm like, okay, that's, that's something I guess. Um, and yeah, I just, the, the look of this thing is neat so far. I just, I like the balance of kind of molding that Snyder look into something new and something brighter honestly <laughs> so it seems to like have want to have more fun 
Well, here's my question with this trailer, and it's it's mostly that it's a it's a question more about how much you show in a trailer. But this trailer reveals two flashes. It reveals Zod as the villain, who's back from um, a movie that you know a, a while ago, right? It reveals Ben Affleck as Batman in back, even though I thought maybe he was gone. We also have Michael Keaton as Batman back. It maybe teases Christian Bale, at least the Bat Bike is back, um, and then yeah. it also drops in Supergirl at the end, and it's like, okay, that's what else do you have in the movie? Like what, like that feels like so many things to unveil. And I get that you have to show the villain that you have to have Michael Keaton in here and it's the multiverse and whatever, but like, that's a lot to give away. I think in three minutes, I'll put it this way. Warner brothers tends to be pretty good about this kind of thing. Okay. They tend to be good about the things they want to show and what they don't want to show without spoiling too much, at least for their initial trailers. And then it's up to the viewer if they want to watch the later trailers. I just don't because they don't need to. Um, but Regardless, I do think the for one thing we already knew Supergirl. Again, if you follow like any social media involving this movie, we knew we knew Supergirl was going to be in this. Like that's not a surprise. Yeah, and I think I think like I know that I'm in a very weird place where like I am so extremely online in terms of like following movie news, but I still like put blinders on, and I'm like I know that I'm going to see the Flash. Like I don't want to. Like, if I could go into this knowing nothing about it at all, like I would be I would be happy. Um, somehow I didn't know the Supergirl was in this, and so like. When I'm like, oh, she's at the end of the trailer, and then I look and she's like second build on Letterbox. I was like, oh, so like people, like people know that she's in this movie. I just didn't know, you know. I would, it's say, like, I, know that- I, I would say I forgot until I saw the trailer. It's like, oh yeah, that's right, they did cast her. Like, it, so it's like, oh, the trailer revealed it. But again, I think Warner Brothers is actively making choices to be like, we need reasons to get people to see this for one right. thing. So it's like, here's something you haven't seen before, Supergirl. And, yeah. and I know that I can't be too upset about like establishing the premise, multiverse, or the villain Zod. Like, I'm not upset about those. But like, I didn't know that Zod was in this. You know what I mean? So like, I would just assume that it was some DC villain I didn't know. And then I'm like, oh, Zod. Okay, but like, I kind of. I don't know. I know that I, I'm insane. I know that I'm insane. No, I agree. I agree with you, but I, I like I'll just keep emphasizing. I do think Warner Brothers they're yeah, making okay. the choices they want to as far as what to show, especially given that this is a multiverse movie, as you've established, where right. there's sure to be more to come from this sure. beyond just yes. the ones they're showing you now. That said, I did get a kick out of the idea of them showing what appears to be Christian Bale's Batman, even though I really know Christian Bale's not taking on this movie. There's no world where he signed <laughs> up to be like, yeah, I'll take, I'll do a cameo and. The Flash movie? Fuck that. He's, that is not Christian Bale. Well, yeah, especially like <laughs> if, if he were in this movie, they would not show that in the trailer, right? Like that would be a reveal that people would like lose their minds over in the theater. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> They're not going to show him, but like that's his bad bike, right? Like that's like the, like it looks like the thing from The Dark Knight, right? So I don't know. Yeah, I I think they're they're playing fast and loose with what they want to show you and how they're showing it to you. You know, they, they yeah, it could it could be another Batman. It could be a, a, you know any number of things. <laughs> but I, I I will I'm putting my reputation on the line, guys, and saying Christian Bale is not appearing in the Flash movie. <laughs> Uh, it was some weird CG thing, but he did not show up to set <laughs> to be like, yeah, let me do my cameo for the Flash. <laughs> I wonder if you can bet on that, like in FanDuel. Like, can you bet if Christian Bale is in this multiverse movie? I, you know, I, don't I don't know. know. I don't know. I think because I think the odds. I think you're safe in betting your reputation. I think your reputation is going to remain intact. That's all I'm trying to Here's say. Here's hoping, I think the or, odds... else I, or else I have to immediately flee the country. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Abe, are you there? I am. How are you doing? Congratulations, my sister's having a girl. Hey, Mazel Tov. Hey. <laughs> uh, I'm doing well. I, I guess that we're still on trailers. Yeah, we're talking the Flash. What do you think? I thought it was a pretty effective trailer. I think that I, I really enjoyed the Danny Elfman score at the end there. Um, iconic, uh, goosebump inducing. Um, but I also uh, started to tune out because I was like, oh, there's a lot of stuff that they're revealing to me. Let me let me just go watch this movie anyway. 
Thank you, Abe. Abe gets it. <laughs> thanks, thanks, Joey. Yeah. Yeah, no, like, like we said, I, I hear you. I I think this is the first trailer. If they wanted yeah. to really spoil stuff, they'd really spoil stuff. I think they're showing you stuff that's going to be there from, from, from word go. Like, you're not going to walk into sure. the movie being like, oh, I didn't know that. Unless you're just completely blind on it. But I hear you. Uh, I, that was I, me. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, you just won't watch any other trailers. I mean, that, that's, no. That's, yeah. yeah. I won't even watch this one. Does um the idea of Andy Muschietti excite you directing this? The guy that did Mama and the It movies? Uh, maybe. I, I didn't realize <laughs> that that was him. But, uh, I guess that sounds pretty interesting because those are definitely not the tone that I thought they were going to go for. But I guess they fit James Gunn's tone. So and James Gunn hasn't hasn't um. As far as I know, he's James Gunn has nothing to do with this movie. Like he, no, he no, 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 no. But but I mean, like James Gunn was very, very like positive about this. Like, yo, the Flash is going to be like the the turning point of like our of my uh, DCU run. I so mean, it, it's great. I, I'm not going to undermine you, but at the same time, it's like James Gunn's the head of this stuff. He's it's his job to. No, say I hear you. I hear you. <laughs> but he could have easily dismissed it as well. He could have been like, yeah, the Flash is also coming out, and then I also got my movies coming out. So very <laughs> curious about that that Andy Muschietti. All right. Right. Uh, well, the uh, the Flash arrives at theaters June sixteenth this summer, so get ready. <laughs> I do like that long pause Michael Keaton says, by the way, where he, where he's like, "Yeah, I'm Batman." Like it's just so long <laughs> he takes to say the line. Well, because um, you know what's coming, right? And it's like, are they going to put it in the trailer or not? Because I can also see the trailer cutting away before he actually says the line, and then like you hear in the theater, like, "Yeah, that's what I was waiting for." But then they just again are like, "All right, yeah, yeah, we'll put it in here." He's Batman. Um, all right. Well, let's move on. Let's get to let's get to it. Let's get to our main review for Ant-Man and the Wasp colon Quantumania. You're an interesting man, Scott Lang. You're an Avenger. You have a daughter. But you've lost a lot of time, like me. We can help each other with that. Who are you? I'm the man who can give you the one thing you want. What's that? Time. It can rewrite existence and shatter timelines. You cannot trust him. I don't care who this guy is. I just lost so much. He can give us a second chance. That should have been some of the trailer for Ant-Man and the Wasp, called Quantumania. The third, this is the 31st film in the MCU, and it follows, oh more, it follows more adventures of Scott Lang, who is dragged into the quantum realm along with those closest to him. What follows is a subatomic adventure pitting Scott, Hope, Cassie, Hank, and Janet against Kang the Conqueror, played by, by, by Jonathan Majors, a multiversal being with the intent to escape the realm and continue conquering. During this journey, the Avenger and his people encounter a wide variety of crazy creatures and more, with Janet doing her best to guide the way after hiding much of what she knew about the dangers of the quantum realm. Philip, I'm going to go to you. Oh, Where have you been with the Ant-Man films and what do you think of this latest Ant adventure? So, uh, love Paul Rudd, right? Just love the guy. 
everything about his energy and comic timing, the face, like any expression cracks me up. Rewatched both of the first, you know, the first Ant-Man and then Ant-Man and the Wasp this week before seeing Quantumania. Um, and I, I, you know, again, small side adventures, you know, not a huge um, impact really on the main MCU arc, uh, you know, in and of themselves. And uh, yeah, just really enjoyed them mostly for what Paul Rudd and, and his kind of tone and, and comedic timing brings to the, to that series. Um, uh, also just, enjoy seeing michael douglas not give a shit at all um and which we we got a lot of in quantum Mania, which I, I love but um uh yeah no i i forgot kind of how charming they were and, and everything and i really enjoyed them um uh you know i i uh i have an eight-year-old daughter so I've, and you know she was little when the first one came out so i've always kind of loved that the like the core of it was the cassie scott relationship and that he kind of bases everything um, you know, around her and all that. So that's always like hit me in the right spot. Um, really enjoyed them. Um, but yeah, I, I've, I've definitely fallen victim to, uh, you know, kind of that, uh, the feelings of fatigue, a little of the, um, I'm, I'm trying not to um, expect too much after end game going forward. Like I know this is a, a regrowth period, a restructuring kind of thing. Um, to use all the the corporate synergy words and all that good stuff, but <laughs> I I, uh, I just like um, I, I I still like you know been there since the beginning. I was telling somebody this the other day. It's like yeah, you know I was there in May of '08. Been there the whole ride, every single one in theaters. Um, loved it. Uh, you know there are some you know hit or miss or some misses along the way, but um, I was really feeling it, and I was like. Okay, phase five, here we go. This is going to be the one to get me back in. And I just kind of was like, eh, coming away from it. So I don't know. I don't know if we want to get into other people's opinions of the of the new one first and then to, and then kind of delve into it more. But like, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I, 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 I love just Paul Rudd being in this universe and kind of the support system they've, they've run around him, especially with as silly a story as uh, or a silly premise as Ant-Man is. Um, and it just felt like Quantumania, they kind of, you know, put a lot of obligations on Peyton Reed's plate that uh, didn't necessarily mix well with the tone he'd kind of established in those first two. And just had a little bit of trouble, you know, finding the balance there. But I don't know. Let's, let's, uh, I don't know if you want to take it from there. Yeah, for sure. No, thanks for going in on that. Joe, I have the same question for you. Are you a Ant-Man connoisseur? Are you a fan of these? And uh, where, where are you with this one? I'm not really, and I don't know why. I think I think I'm always constantly let down because they were the first two were used as like palate cleansers, right? Where like after these two serious heavy Avengers movies, it's like, let's do something fun and silly, like let people breathe or whatever. And that never really worked for me. Um, the thing that really confused me about this is that this is kicking off phase five, which feels like this should start. And I know that the movie is really doubling down. And we'll talk, I'm sure, a lot about Kang, but like I don't. Like, I think this is the worst movie that they've put out in a long time. Like, I almost nothing about this worked for me. And I'm bummed and I'm so disappointed and sort of like, I I don't have any faith in the future of the MCU. Like, if they're banking on Kang in the multiverse, like, there are big questions I have about this that we can talk about later that I can either tiptoe around without spoiling or, like, if we do spoilers, like, just say it outright. But, like, I don't know. Like, if this is what the future of the MCU is going to be, other than Catherine Newton, I did not like very much in this movie. All right. 
Abe, do you want to provide a quick recap of all 31 Marvel movies and then talk about yeah, this one? Yeah, absolutely. Or... <laughs> so in 2008, a movie called Iron Man came out starring John, uh, John, directed by John Favreau. Starring John Favreau, you're right. Yeah, starring yeah. John Favreau. Yeah, yeah co-star. And, and yeah, some yeah. other people. Yeah, exactly. It starred uh, John Favreau, it, uh, Peter, Peter Billingsley, and uh, Terrence Howard. <laughs> <laughs> Tony Stark built this in a cave with a box of scraps. <laughs> Tony Cave? What? Tony Cave. <laughs> Um, anyhow, so where I am with Ant-Man, I'm going to guess you're going to ask me the same questions. Uh, yeah. and, and the franchise has been, I think, uh, along the same lines as Joe is like, oh, well, you know, they've served as like these sort of, um, breathing spaces for some heavier tone Marvel movies. And then here's some light fun stuff. And to be honest, like, uh, I also agree with Philip that there's been some really, uh, fun stuff that I've enjoyed with Paul Rudd and I'm glad that he's in, a, in the MCU and getting those Marvel checks. Um, I, I'm pretty mixed on this movie. Like, I, I certainly think that it could have been incredible. Uh, I think that there is some really cool early setup of Kang the Conqueror. Um, you know, movies that came to mind were like, obviously, Enemy of Mine. Uh, Aaron and I, we talk about this all the time. Yeah, sure. Um, but then also the, uh, Unbreakable came to mind, where it's like, oh, I, I kind of see that it could have been incredible because you kind of could have just played in on on that part of things and you know had like this entire backstory which would have been an incredible movie of jonathan majors and and uh janet just uh chat chopping it up and and then figuring it out that like now you know who i am and let's go from here kind of thing but it mm-hmm. was very sped up um and then it also could have just been a pretty cool like from the get-go like a heist movie a superhero heist movie again um, but really just focus on that. But where I kind of fall uh, on the the mixed negative side is, you know, there's just a lot of ideas uh, that are floating around here. There's like one, I think there's only one writer on, on this movie, if I'm, if I'm correct. One credit um, writer, yeah. Jeff yeah, one uh, credit writer. A Rick and Morty uh, writer. Oh my gosh. All right. Um, but yeah, so there there's a lot of ideas floating around here. I think on a technical level, the editing is just really poor in these dialogue scenes. Like, I don't know what it was. They're having lunch at one particular part and it's just like 15 cuts in, in like 10 seconds. I was like, what is happening here? So, um, but the other part of it is also like, I, you know, I, it, it, it's not as bad as the, the dire people on the internet are saying like, Oh, this is like a, it feels like a stepping stone movie and it doesn't feel like it's, it's standalone. It's like, yeah, it actually does to me. Um, and I kind of really enjoyed the Catherine Newton, Paul Rudd aspect of things and kind of just how she's coming into her own as like this teenager trying to to do some social justice and maybe have some crime fighting on the side. So um, I'm pretty mixed on it. And I, I'm very curious to see uh, how this discussion uh, continues. But yeah, um, thematically, there's a lot of stuff going on here. I think it could have been a cooler, tighter storyline. But at the same time, I was like, I don't know. It, I did enjoy uh, some bits of it, but it took a it took a second for it to get going. I um I saw this movie with my dad on Monday and mm-hmm. uh dad's movie corner. He enjoyed it uh as far as he we were we were driving home and he was like I asked him what he thought. He was like, I liked it. I mean, it's not you know, it's not women talking, it's a Marvel movie. What do you expect? Like <laughs> that was a direct quote. That was a direct quote, yes. Why he's comparing <laughs> a heavy dramatic movie to well that's his point though he's not comparing it because there's no point to because it is just a marvel movie yeah and when i think of it that way which is how i thought of it to begin with i there's nothing here that's like offensive to me as far as what it could be doing that it's not largely because it's the third ant-man movie um 
by the way, there's been three Ant-Man movies in less than 10 years and like one Superman movie, which is insane. Um, <laughs> but, it's, um, uh, but like, you know, I walk into an Ant-Man movie, I don't really expect like much to have to depend on. Like, sure. I like the other Ant-Man films fine. I, I do think they're, it's weird to say bottom tier MCU because I don't think that's necessarily bad. It's just like, they're the ones that aren't, you know, the ones I like more. <laughs> that's really what it comes down to. They're just <laughs> Ant-Man. And so, you know, when I look at it at that level, it's like, well, that's, you know, what am I expecting here? I, I still would say this is probably the least, not probably, it is the least of the Ant-Man movies. And it's largely because I, it gets away from what I like about Ant-Man movies. Like this doesn't feel so much as an, like an Ant-Man movie. This does feel like a, a you know a marvel film that happens to have ant-man as the lead this time around uh and by that i mean like you guys were saying as far like you know it not only does it drop like the heist element or just being set in san francisco and being separated from other events involving the avengers it drops lewis <laughs> it drops yeah. michael pena who's key in that the ex-cons and like that kind of you know, what if there's just this everyday guy that's doing his thing and he's an ex like it just has that like kind of scruffy quality that makes made those first two Ant-Man films feel unique in their own way. In the realm of these are Marvel movies, they have a certain kind of tra trajectory and whatnot. Ant-Man, I get what sets it aside. This one gets rid of that. It's just like, let's just make another generic Marvel movie where there's, you know, <laughs> big thing that we have to solve at the end. It's all like a big what spaceship thing that we got to stop or whatever big villain we got to stop there's you know like but Ant-Man the Lost specifically doesn't have like a major villain it just has like a lot of side characters that are all doing mm -hmm. stuff which is something I really enjoyed about that film this one is very routine as far as a Marvel movie goes and the idea of what should separate it is well they're in the quantum realm so that should look exciting and be different but Abe I agree with you it does feel just like a lot of ideas without really grabbing any one of them it just mm -hmm. kind of sits there and presents you with crazy creatures or whatnot, but doesn't get weirder than I would like it to, or doesn't get stronger in terms of its narrative. I think the script for this movie sucks. <laughs> like, I, as far as the story it's telling, yeah. it is not great. <laughs> like if if you're establishing Kang as the next big villain, I I I kind of want to know more. And this movie kind of sidesteps that a lot. Uh, for the sake of either plot convenience, like every time yeah. Michelle Pfeiffer is being like, I can't tell you what's going on. <laughs> and we're like, we're stuck in the fucking quantum realm. What time do you need to tell us what's going on here? Um, Aaron, they don't know how many days, years have passed. Come I know. Like, it's just such a, it's such like weird choices being made as far as how to tell this story. Uh -huh. And then the Kang of it all, and we'll talk more about this, I'm sure. Yes. Like, if this is supposed to be the next big bad villain who was already established in one form in Loki, I still feel like I'm pretty vague on like what his deal is. Like I don't, I don't really get it. And like I get yeah. that we need more time with the movies to, I guess, learn more about the various Kangs and whatnot. But the thing that where like where it ends with me trying to just say it's another Ant Man movie is well, this one's positioned as like being a major factor in the MCU. Well, that, that's that's the weird thing to me is that you, yeah. I think everything you were saying was spot on that like Ant-Man's supposed to be this fun movie with Michael Pena, like talking fast and whatever. And then it's like, okay, this one is going to decide the future of everything. It's like, why are you putting it on this shoulder? It's like, why this movie? Hmm. And it feels like a result of, 
we had to shift everything around because of COVID and because of different schedules and like Guardians got moved and Doctor Strange got moved. And so now it's like, I guess Ant-Man is where we start. Like it doesn't feel like it's a <laughs> it doesn't feel like it's a natural extension of obviously this is where it was all gonna lead to. It just feels more like we are obligated to introduce Kang, and I guess this is the one we have to settle on to do so. So it's why it feels less like Ant-Man 3. It feels more like MCU 31. Um, I'm I'm gonna be the guy in the Simpsons with like the ponytail, like the Hollywood guy. I'm going to be pitching you an idea and be like, okay, well, all the Avengers are gone. They're out of their contracts. Who's the last one left? Paul Rudd. And then everyone's just like, here's some money bags for you, buddy. Um, <laughs> that's probably what happened. Uh, Philip and Philip, I want to ask you uh, specifically, um, you know, you mentioned uh, the Catherine Newton of it all and, and how you have your own daughter. Like, what is that experience like? Did you watch this with your daughter? No, not yet. She has a, we okay. have, I haven't, uh, like introduce search of the MCU movies yet um, or anything like that. Never, she's, never do. Cause they're never going to give up. Right. Right. <laughs> no, she's, she's eight right now. So uh, well, we yeah, eventually you can re- you'll be able to recast her with somebody with more TikTok followers though. That's how, <laughs> that's how it works. Man. With that's how it works with Ant-Man's daughter, I guess. <laughs> Honestly though, that, that hurt because like that scene in Endgame, like that was like one of the most like emotionally impactful scenes in Endgame, like that, you know, that scene between him and his, you know the grown-up Cassie. Yeah, uh, and then they, you know, I get it. Catherine Newton, I guess, carries a little more clout. Uh, yeah, she's days. got Pokemon fame. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and I was like, okay, uh, it felt bad for the other girl, but um, but no, yeah. I honestly like the um, like going in, I knew the majority of this was going to take place in the quantum realm, but even like just seeing that first like ten minutes or whatever that was outside and. Like the uh, you know her being grown and like the family dynamics with her and uh, Michelle Pfeiffer and Evangeline Lilly's characters, like all that kind of stuff, and um, I was just like, oh, this is fun. And then we go into the quantum realm, and I was like, oh, yeah, and yeah, Aaron, I agree with like pretty much everything you were saying. Like, I think you really hit on something with the um, uh, with them, you know, make this is a like. I don't know. I'm torn because, like, I appreciate that you know it's not the same thing again as far as anti sure. movies are. They're try- trying to do something yeah. to kind of vary up with the character, but at the same time, yes, it they didn't do enough to make it like a, a different enough spin because it is just throwing him into the the Marvel template, and it was just kind of like ah. But um, yeah, I you know uh, what and pertaining to the the Cassie and and uh, Scott thing, it was just like. Um, you know, obviously she's older and they've kind of grown apart a little bit because like like I said, I loved their relationship in the first two. Um and, and you can you can sense the rift there, which like I get it, she's getting older. Uh, mm-hmm. that's a natural uh, you know, that's a natural path for that relationship to follow. Um, but they the, in the trailer, and again, I know I can't put too much stock in superhero trailers, but like they made it seem like um one of the main themes of it or main ideas was gonna be that uh Scott was still feeling like uh, still hating how much time he missed uh-huh. uh, because of the blip and everything. And like one of the the enticing thing about Kang and, and, you know, them two meeting was that he could offer him, uh, you know, and there might be some kind of deal there where, where Scott couldn't help but to, to, to risk that to get the time back with her and everything. You're describing and, a really yeah. good plot. Yeah, that's actually yeah. <laughs> a really cool idea. And I was like, oh, fuck. Philip, when you said that, I was like, that would have been emotionally connective. And like, it would have really put Ant-Man in like a weird, like, 
um like uh, uh yeah like a moral quandary yeah like moral quandary going, yeah exactly and like I, I really thought that's where it was gonna go so when we get to what we get and it's it is like some form of a heist movie i guess like even that felt like they kind of had to convolute it to make it apply to ant-man's thing you know um and so i was just like oh this is really like it didn't it, it ended up being more on janet uh the, the whole time thing with how long she spent down there and you know and her and kang's relationship and everything than it did with um uh, between Scott and, and uh, Kang d- developing some kind of, um, you know, bond or making some kind of deal. And I really wish, like, I wish we didn't have to have huge battle sequences in, in everything because I, I really wish it would have just been a showdown between Ant-Man and and, and Kang. Like, mm-hmm. like, it came down to that after, you know, Kang enticed him with this idea of, of more time and going back or whatever he might have done. Um, you know, obviously some kind of double cross would have happened or something and, and they would have ended up having to duke it out. Um, but yeah, so I, I don't know if that's where my disappointment with it is because I felt like I was sold something or maybe promised something that it just didn't end up delivering on, but not just not delivering on, but it didn't end up like following through on at all. Um, so I was just kind of like, but the thing uh, is, like, um, that's there. It's just, it's there within all these other things they're also trying to do in a movie that's yeah. strangely one of the shortest Marvel movies. Not strangely. I mean, that's, if anything, a benefit. But it's also like, well, <laughs> I'm glad you've cut this within an inch of its life to make it nearly two hours. But it's also like, don't introduce every plot you can and then try yeah. to cram it into this small amount of uh, running time. That's, with all that said, by the way, Phil, if you talking about liking, like, the first 10 minutes of the movie, I agree with you. And my thought is, how much fun would it just be to like not have an MCU adventure and just have like Scott dealing with like, I got to go to a book signing, but like my daughter is doing a thing at the same day. What do I do? And it's like a sitcom and he has to like shrink down back and forth and stuff. Like just no, That'd be act- great. not even an action movie at that point. Just make it like a comedy of errors involving it. Guys, we've already, we've already discussed like four ideas that are much better than the ideas of this movie. I have to say one thing very quickly about that Please. book reading scene. Yeah. What? author what psychopath <laughs> reads the end of their book at a reading he reads I the last like that, two pages yeah i figured that it was because he's been touring the country and been reading chapter like 50 states 50 chapters kind of thing so it's like yeah oh he's you, back at home he's reading the last chapter no but like when you do that you read the same yeah, thing every like time ice him to go buy the book <laughs> And then, like, it pays off in the end because, of course, it's going to. It's like, oh, my God, you read my book. It's like, yeah, but you also spoiled the book to everybody who possibly. <laughs> and, like, I know that that's more of a sign of that, like, I wasn't invested in the movie where I'm like, that's the detail that I'm picking up. I'm just like, what kind of psychopath author? Like, I guess they all already bought the book or whatever. But, geez, <laughs> those spoilers. Um, Joey, I actually want to ask you a question here. Yeah. So we're, we're in the quantum realm a lot. Uh, as we established, you kind of get there within the first, like, 10, 15 minutes of this movie. Um, Aaron kind of talked about this a little bit too, but I want to hear your thoughts. Just, what'd you think of the design of it? I, okay, this is going to sound rude. And I, 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 my whole thing, like, I don't like dunking on movies. Like I want to find things that I like about things. Yeah. This, so much of the way this looked felt like Star Wars remnants, just like cast off stuff from Star Wars, like mm-hmm. weird things. And like, it sort of felt like a space movie that I'm like, okay. Like it just, and like there, there's a, there's a emotional moment toward the end that I'm like, oh, Andor just did that and like did it better. And like, there's just, I feel like as the, the conglomerate, the multi-conglomerate comes together and like, there's probably lots of like, maybe like assets you can use or reuse or whatever, but like, 
I don't know. Like, I don't, I also kind of got taken up. I'm like, they're in front of green screens or blue screens or whatever. Yeah. They're in the volume the entire time. Like, there's no way to ground yourself in any kind of like tangible reality. And I wanted to be like immersed in this sci fi world. So I think there's like cool ideas, but it didn't, I just felt like lost in like a sea of CGI. Yeah. Aaron, I want to jump off of something that you said. And when we were talking about the trailer, I said the same thing. I was like, um, I hope that they just go weird with this movie. And to be honest, like, they have to have to. I, I also was like, there's a lot of tattooing influence here, um, including like some Tuscan Raider type clothing uh, and yeah. Princess Leia type stuff. But I also was like, uh, Aaron and I talked about Strange World maybe uh, two months ago. Mm-hmm. That movie was crazy. I was yeah. like, this is this is more than I anticipated for this trailer. And when I was immersed into that animation world, obviously, you know, it's different. You know, animation on animation. This is like live action mixed with like CGI and 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 visual effects. But they they just decided to go like really wild with like the creature designs, like the the plant planet designs uh, to some degree. So I was kind of bummed out by just being like, oh, we're just seeing Michelle Pfeiffer and and uh, Michael Douglas in front of a green screen sitting mm-hmm. down as they're going through hyperspace and then having expo- expository dialogue. Um, and that was actually another thing too, like the editing. You know, I've seen movies where they do edit things of like, oh, people are in different groups and or I'm sorry, different parts of the world. This movie is very unique, I guess, in a very, you know, I don't want to like take a shit on it, but it's unique in that whenever you cut back to the other group, they're literally still doing the same thing that they uh-huh. were doing before you cut away from them, which I found very like odd. I was like, um, this just doesn't really propel the story anywhere. This is actually just... Uh, you guys are just deciding to to really just keep this quote unquote grounded, uh, so that I can understand where these people are. But nothing's happening here, so that was a that was an odd choice. As yeah. far as the visual thing, I wanted to ask you a question real quick because uh, I was sitting next to my brother when we were just, and he leaned over to me at one point when uh, Cassie and Scott were like supposed to be like grown, like huge, and mm-hmm. he was like, "Oh, they're they're big right now." Uh, didn't okay took me a second and uh and yeah, i was like oh okay yeah i got it. it was so hard like in the quantum you know realm at certain points it was like wait okay what what is the you know what is the scale on everything here like it, i don't know mm-hmm. um but like some of the, uh, all that to say like a lot of the fun with the first two another thing was like you know playing with that scale and everything obviously the the climactic fight in the first one with the thomas's thomas train and and the mm-hmm. Pez and the second one and everything. And I, I just kind of missed that too. Um, but yeah, I didn't know if anybody else had that or if I was just an idiot. But I was like, no. oh yeah, you know, you're right. Yeah, I can't tell. I- yeah, I'm right there with you because I feel like when you don't have like a reference point for anything, like the whole like right. ant making go big or small, like that's kind of the two things he does, right? Like he can get bigger, it gets smaller. And like without any sense of the world around him or Cassie or whoever's like doing different sizes, it's like, oh, okay, like, but how big are they like? I also think like how big are they compared to like human size? Like, are they like, can, are they visible? Like how quantum is quantum? Like, it's just, I, I, I don't know, but yeah, I, I was right there with you. That's why I don't understand that. I agree. I mean, it's, it's the quantum realm. They get, they still get, they still fluctuate in size. So like how, how small, if they're going small in the quantum, how small are they going? But also that's like, a great point, but it's like, what, why can't they, if they can get big, why can't they get big and escape the quantum realm? I don't understand how quantum realm works. <laughs> and uh, also, like, I, I, what's, what's weird about the quantum realm is like the, the ratios is all the same thing. Like, it's just it's like Earth shrunk down. It's like, but these aren't humans. Like, they're they don't know what the word human is. Like, why is everything like feel like Earth? Hmm. Yeah, I, I they shot it like... in Atlanta, Joey. Clearly. <laughs> 
you, you know, Abe, maybe you can like pinpoint why this irritates me. I don't know what it is, but like the fact that these movies that are just going to have these huge like cultural impacts, maybe I, I, you know, might be lessening these days, but that's a different conversation. But like, and and the fact that they're just like you can in so many scenes, you can tell it's just these actors sitting, um, you know, on a on a stage or just walking on a green screen stage or, you know, like uh, Joey said, in the volume, uh, you know, in, in, in some of those bigger, the, the, the bigger landscape shots and everything. Um, something about that just irritates me. Like, I'm like, and maybe that's why the beginning of like the Flash trailer was so enticing because it was just like, oh, they went to a real place mm-hmm. <laughs> they shot on a lo- like a real location somewhere and maybe that's why the first and last 10 minutes 10 to 15 minutes of this movie were so much more appealing but it was just like god i don't know it. it's just i feel like yeah. i need somebody to like super cut or not super cut but i feel like i need somebody to cut uh to put in um uh, <laughs> scott and cassie in, in quantum mania into the strange world worlds and mm-hmm. uh, and see how you know what the difference is there just put them running away from the the goop or whatever the uh and and i want to see how if it looks any better because i just i don't know like there's been a lot of conversation obviously about the special effects at at marvel and the varying degrees of success with them but it just really just like kind of irks me that it's like this is this is these are some of the biggest things the biggest you know uh movies coming out kind of the the um uh the central you know, thing that draws people to theaters these days, and this is this is what they're getting, and it's just like, I don't know, man. Uh, it, it 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 feels like it should be tougher to to earn that status than it is for what they're you know what they're delivering. Well, Philip, if you watch it on a 13 inch laptop, it'll look great. Um, Aaron, <laughs> I think point. we should get to it. Kane the Conqueror, Jonathan Majors. Uh, what what do you think of Jonathan Majors? I mean. Jonathan Majors, I think, is one of the most exciting newer actors to be out right now, and I think he's generally great in everything he does. I don't think he's bad in this movie, but at the same time, it's like, you know, you can see him going in neutral here compared to other movies, and it's impressive that he still makes that look very good because mm-hmm. he's a really good actor. But, you know, I, I, it's not the worst Marvel villain. He's certainly not the best. He's just kind of like, yeah, he's there. He's doing his job. So that's kind of well, as far as the performance goes that's what i'm seeing and there's an intensity there that's fitting for a character like this but it's also again a reminder that this doesn't feel like an ant-man movie it feels more like marvel movie because ant-man movie mm-hmm. wouldn't have this kind of intensity uh that kang is bringing to it but marvel movie of course needs that because it needs to have this you know figure that's going to be imposing for the next several years <laughs> as we yeah. deal with this stuff Joey, Phil, curious your thoughts. I think what's difficult about the Kang thing, like I love Jonathan Majors as an actor. I think he's great and I would like to see him in, I'll watch him in anything. I think the difficulty is that they tried to set him up. And I know that COVID kind of messed up a lot of the release order, but like they tried to set him up in Loki and in What If. And then they were like, you have, because I, th- I felt like for a while, Marvel was like, you have to watch everything we do. If you want to keep up with everything, you have to watch all the shows, all the movies, keep up. And then people were like, I'm not going to do that. They're like, oh no, like we didn't, we don't have a plan if they say no, like, what do we do? And so instead of having this, like, you know, the way that they built out Thanos in like credit scenes over the course of like five or six movies, then all of a sudden he's there. They just like, okay, we're going to, you know, unveil Kang. But like, as you guys were saying earlier, like the Kang Michelle Pfeiffer stuff like the majors, Michelle Pfeiffer stuff is like a, a better story, I think. And they spend what, 10 minutes maybe in that 
time in this movie. And then they're like, all right, we got to fix it now. And I just, I, I, they, this movie has to do a lot. And I don't, I don't know where the fault lies, but I, I don't think this did the character or the actor any service or any, you know, it's, it's tough. It's a, it's a heavy lift what they have to do here. And I don't think it was done very well. Yeah. I mean, I'd echo both what Joey and, and Aaron said, because I mean, as far as the um, going kind of along with my pitch earlier, it was just like, I wish they just focused on Scott and King. I wish they kind of done away with all the, um, you know, the people who, or the creatures that lived in the, the quantum realm that there were even, you know, quantum societies and all. I was just like, it's, mm-hmm. it's unnecessary. It's, un- I mean, there are a few laughs there for sure. Um, honestly, it felt more, with the tone of it i was like why is this so men in black rather than uh you know star wars even i was just like what is happening and we haven't even and, and we're talking about men in black international right uh obviously the classic from 2000 whatever anyways um starring liam neeson no one cares uh anyway um starring yeah, two I, avengers to bring it on bring it on topic just, yeah there you go um but no so i just i wish they yeah i want and i you know he's been built up and i love the scene uh you know in that last episode of loki and everything i was like okay this is this, this is going to be cool what they're going to do with this like and, and obviously echo everything i uh what i meant to say was about jonathan majors and just him yeah. being an exciting performer and um wanting to see everything he appears in and and all that like i'm excited to see what he does but did this movie and uh the post credit scene necessarily the second post credit scene gave me uh, a little bit more exciting. That may be the only thing at this point that's like mm-hmm. making me feel obligated to see uh, every Marvel thing that comes out from this point on. But like, yeah, I wish they had just focused on him more, let him be a little more sinister, fleshed out that backstory uh, between him and Michelle Pfeiffer's character, and then really gone, you know, leaned into the uh, the the Scott Kang kind of dynamic. But mm-hmm. um, you know, I have faith in Majors. I don't know if you know, what they'll do with him or what they allow him to do going forward uh, will, yeah. will live up to his potential. For majors, I, I thought that it was like, oh, this is great. He's, he's Aaron and I, we love this guy. Uh, we've And if he had gone back to San Francisco, it would have been like the last Blackland in San Francisco part two, right? Yeah, Aaron? exactly. Um, and that would have been an amazing treat. Uh, <laughs> but I think that, you know, Jonathan Majors is doing some Shakespearean level acting here. And then he gets, you know, weird, this goes to Aaron's point, like weird like bad dialogue just like between him and scott and it, it it starts off innocent and then goes really nuclear within two seconds and you know i also have to agree with another point that aaron made just like and philip you too it's like it just it, it ceases to be fun at that point and so like what are you totally going for here because i think we're all saying the same thing there's just a lot that you're putting on this plate here for Kang the conqueror to show up here I still don't know what his powers are. Like, I don't know the comics that well. So I was like, right. I don't know. Like, what are, these, what are these blue rays that he's shooting? What's up with this helmet? Like, why is he so angry? But I guess I have to go watch Conquering. Him. His power is conquering. He conquers. Exactly. Yeah. And I think... You see I all that conquering what, he was doing? <laughs> I think what worries me the most, without spoiling what they are, but both credit scenes in this movie are about Kang. It's like, we just spent two hours with this guy. And now it's like, he's the entire future of this. And I'm like, mm-hmm. to your point, Abe, I don't know what he wants or how, what he does or how he does it. Um, and I also felt like this without, again, without specifically spoiling, I felt like he was defeated in this movie. And then all of a sudden he's not. And he's now again, like the the guy. And like, wait, how, what? 
mm-hmm. yeah, no, the ending is they totally fumbled. I thought like between that decision and the decision they make with um, uh, uh, Hope and Scott, I was like, what are we doing? And, like it felt like there was like ten minutes that they needed to add there at the end that they just didn't. Yeah, it, um, it, you know, there's a not to get too far in it, but there's like there's a point in the ending where it could have there could have been a lasting effect of things that were yes. going on that didn't. Mm-hmm. And I was mm-hmm. like, so what? <laughs> like there's sacrifices to an extent being made, and that could have been led to something interesting as far as where we are or what needs to happen next or what to keep in mind. But instead, it just right. kind of, I wouldn't necessarily say chickens out, but it's like it just immediately caves in on that. So it's like, well, all right, that, that really takes away the kind of impact I feel like it's supposed to yeah. have of making certain choices. Well, he, but here's it, a question I have for you it, guys. It just, real quick, it, it just speaks to how flimsy the plotting of this whole thing is. Sure. Yeah, I was say, I'll say chickens out. Yeah, <laughs> I, have, I have a question for you guys about that whole like sacrifices could be made. Like in comparing it to a franchise near and dear to my heart, The Fast and Furious. Like it feels like in every movie now, no one can die because these actors probably have in their contracts. Like I'm not going to get killed because I'm going to lose out on millions of dollars in future movies. Right? Like, is that what's happening here? Are like none of these people like really at risk because they 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 if they die they can't be an Ant Man four. I mean, death hasn't really stopped a lot of characters coming back to begin True. with. True. So I don't necessarily <laughs> think that that's a huge matter. I think it's just more, it's comic books. They don't tend to die anyway. <laughs> like, I mean, it, but it, it does let, you know, there's, especially now, there is less of an incentive, I think, to just kill off these characters. Not as only those contracts, just because it's easier <laughs> for them for whatever reason compared to like the 2000s where they would regularly just kill off characters and villains and what have you and move on, uh, which I, for as far as establishing some semblance of stakes here um yeah i don't have an answer for your question as far as the why it just feels more like yeah <laughs> no because I, I, I agree with you like like if someone had made like the ultimate sacrifice here i'd be like oh my god like that was like this movie is like the one where whoever it was did that thing and like instead it's just like oh no okay sure yeah Aaron, i talk about this all the time too it's like hey you know if you guys take a big risk that'd be pretty rewarding um, yeah and, you know, I, I actually, Aaron, I thought of like three different places uh, toward like the third act of the movie where I was like, oh, that would have been cool if they had done this. And again, not to say that I'm I'm a, a movie writer or a script writer, just more that, yeah, they could have played into, well, this is where we are now, or this is what I've done now. And that was, I was kind of just like scapegoated <laughs> to some degree. I was like, I don't know. It's kind of weird. Um, can we, uh, can we talk about the other villain in this movie? Sure. <laughs> I think we could t- I think we can bring him up. Yeah, there's a there's a character. Oh god. <laughs> <laughs> there's a character named Modoc that appears yes. in this awful. Film. <laughs> you did awful. So you, you didn't like Modoc. I don't really know Modoc other than like popping into video games and like seeing anime like seeing him animated I've seen like out there. I am of the mind that this character should never be live action or whatever version of live action he was. <laughs> this was the stuff of like early 2000 CG nightmare. Like, I don't know how anyone let this get on screen. <laughs> this is the most egregious, terrible character design. And I love Corey Stoll. I think he's great. I don't know why anyone said yes to this. This was I mean, insane. It's a Marvel paycheck, Joey. <laughs> I know why he said yes. I don't know why anyone let them do this. 
um, I don't know much about this character except for the fact that he is pretty smart and also like really like annoying um, because of the I think the Hulu show where he's got his own like Modoc adventures uh-huh. and like Patton Patton's the voice of Modoc I think on that yes, show yeah, maybe yeah so. okay yeah. yeah and so that's like where it becomes like more fun and this one's like it's weird because we mentioned all the tonal shifts um, and this one in- this adds to that tonal shift um, including like this weird character arc uh, toward the end of this movie but I, I I didn't love the the unmasked character design um, mm-hmm but you know, I, I I'm glad that Corey Stoll showed back up. At the same time, it was just very. Um, I, I don't know what the purpose was because it was just like, no. was it because he's like the is he the Darth Vader to, you know, Jonathan Majors is Emperor Palpatine, or is he just like some guy? And I think it's more the latter. That, <laughs> so that's the thing. I I like this as far as they did Modoc. That's something, and I like how like crappy it looks. <laughs> it's just <laughs> it makes it more endearing to me. Sure, in a movie where I really wanted to embrace the weird stuff, that's pretty damn weird. Like I was like, okay, yeah, that's... yeah, yeah. The problem I have with Modoc is I don't know why Kang would use it. Like, there's no point. There's no part of me that would think Kang, a very calculating and smart villain, would be like, mm-hmm. "Let me get this doofus human guy that shrunk down and has baby <laughs> arms to be my my main mode of 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 uh, assassin." <laughs> like, sure. it seems like yeah. seems like there's a lot of options in the quantum realm. Just you know, Bill Murray would probably be a better assassin than Modoc is in this movie. Like, he seems more menacing, <laughs> but like for some reason, it he... would make sense that if he had like ten Modocs, but like we don't get any sense of that. Yeah, like, there's, just yeah have, there's it's, just, it's there's the there's one, just the one, and it's this yeah. guy, and it's like <laughs> I don't, I don't see Kang having that conversation, being like, "Well, clearly you're the most qualified for the job. Let's here we go. Yeah. Let's do this." Outside of I, that, though, I did yeah. like Modoc. I did. Yeah, he, he's, funny. he's I like weird. Him. That adds like the humorous part of this movie. Mm-hmm. Is is Modoc the only, or maybe just the best character that has an arc? Like he actually has an arc in this movie in a way that none of the other characters really do. Yes, <laughs> you're you're not wrong. I Which mean, is I mean, we learned that Hank Pym doesn't again. like to spend eight dollars on pizza. Joey, mm-hmm. come on, true. But <laughs> like, an arc. but but Scott Lang literally ends the movie where he begins mm-hmm. yeah like yeah. like not not me incorrectly like people use literally but like literally use like ending where he begins yes and it's yeah. like okay so there's no growth there so what do we do yeah we give the arc to modok i i entirely agree with you. there is no arc and that that brings me to the other thing i wanted to mention the this movie is called ant-man and the wasp and the Wasp is doing a lot of heavy lifting there because there is like nothing for Evangeline Lilly to do in this movie. She mm-hmm. really is. is re- like, if you had to tell me what like signature scene she has, I'd have to stare at you with a question mark on my face because it's like there is nothing <laughs> the Wasp really is as much involvement in as far as this film goes. Does yeah. Catherine Newton's character have a, an alias? I don't uh, know. As far as Cassie Lang goes? Like, uh, yeah, because yeah. like there's like Scott like, Lang is Ant-Man and Hope Van Dyne is the Wasp. And then there's Catherine Newton as unnamed bug. Right. I, uh, I don't she, know. She be- she becomes like, I believe Stinger is her. Oh, other OK. Thing. There's also Ant-Girl. Well, like they didn't say either of those names in this movie, right? To be no. fair, they rarely say like the proper comic book names and stuff in these movies beyond yeah. the obvious. But like I from what I gather, because I have friends who like have read a ton of comics and like are super into them and sort of know, generally speaking, like the like where Marvel is taking these. Right. And like from what I understand, she is a core part of like the young Avengers or like the future of where this franchise is going. Clearly. And like 
the movie sets that up like she she has a lot to do here she's got way more to do than than wasp right Aaron? like it like she's got so much like that's like the the emotional weight of this movie is her and and scott but like i mean look at the mcu in general you have a lot of young i mean they're they're very purposely doing this as far as introducing younger actors that can stay in contracts for a longer time yeah 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 yeah. but like (laughs) give her a name like oh she's stinger like even like at the end like at the like the very last line you know so they'll do a thing joey her (laughs) name was bob <laughs> Let me go cry into Meatloaf's shirt now. Her name was Robert Paulson. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Yeah, I ruined that joke. <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, it's it's wild though. I, I like her as an actor though. I think she's really good. And I think she's, you know, not on Jonathan Major's level in terms of what he's doing in this movie, but she's doing a lot, I think. And it's it's working. And she was kind of like the way like the my grounding point, I think, for mm-hmm. for a lot of what was going on in this movie. I just needed to be weirder. You know, you got to agree. Got, you got agree. you have you have David Dalsamalshin not reprising his ex-con character, but instead playing the blobby guy. And I'm like, OK, you got that. You got a guy with a laser gun for a face. Like, give me more of this. <laughs> you yeah. have William Jackson Harper as reluctant telepath. Just like, OK, that's his name. No, but no, that's no. his character. His name is Quaz. <laughs> Quaz, okay. the reluctant telepath. <laughs> yeah, and yeah like, I agree. Yeah. Like it could have been, it should have been weirder. Could it, like if 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 this is like the start of Phase Five, and you're just like, we're gonna go full multiverse, and you guys have been introduced to this for a few movies now and a few TV series now. Like, yeah, just go crazy with it, and then we'll see what sticks. But you know, I, it feels like they kind of played it safe too, and that's not really where anybody wants it to be but well, it's weird because we've again we've done the multiverse a few times now between yeah. dr strange and the, the damn loki show but also right. like the guardians trailer the trailer alone looks weirder than anything in this movie <laughs> so I, it's like, I, I i yeah i didn't want to get into that but i was like that that, that when i finished the movie i was like that trailer was way better than this movie and that oh, was like yeah. a two-minute trailer with like a beautiful i don't know that song that that song that plays but um i was like that this is such a, a an effective trailer so I can't wait for that. I think that's coming out in May. <laughs> yeah, I just Anything wanted to add. Oh, yeah. uh, I just wanted to add to the Modoc discussion. Please, real yeah, quick, yeah, yeah. Um, That I completely agree with you guys as far. Aaron, I, I I like your point about that's like the weirdness because I definitely laughed at all the uh, dick jokes. Like I did <laughs> laugh at that, um, but like yeah, he looked so bad. Like it was so terrible. I, I was uh, like Joe. I was like I I don't know how anybody let this get past, but whatever. Um, but also, I was like, no, Corey Stoll or Darren does not get a freaking redemptive arc after he turns a dude to goop and flushed him down the toilet in the first movie. I was like, he does not get to be an Avenger. Like, don't thank you, that, Scott. To, I was, I was to, so to be thinking. fair, it's not like the movie treats it as though he is getting this. Like, we're not supposed to feel. <laughs> no, I know. No, I, know. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I know. And it was mostly it was mostly for the jokes. Like, yeah, I, it's, I all, it. it's all tongue in cheek. No, but they, uh, they even mentioned it here. Like, like Cassie brings it up. She's like, I've never had a normal life since a guy dressed like a bee tried to kill me when I was yeah, six. And then it's like, still got PTSD. Yeah. Hey, remember that guy who dressed like a bee and tried to kill her? Well, he's the hero. It's like, wait, what? I did he's, like all the bits. With he's him, the, I mean, you know. he's the hero as much as like Darth Vader tossed the Emperor, but he still murdered children. <laughs> I mean, he's still a bad guy. <laughs> it's, it's not like the game of metal. He died in the quantum realm. <laughs> It'd be hilarious if they had just like done one of the, the, the end credit scenes as like, Modak comes back as a force ghost, and you're just like, fuck. 
that actually would be very funny. As a force ghost, that might have made me like it. The movie yeah. and the character, yeah. part, I don't know. That'd probably raise it up a few notches in my ranking. <laughs> You're like, yeah, you know, sure. these guys, these guys weren't really sure what they were doing on the on the jump, but they nailed the landing. <laughs> it's like it's Modoc and like. It's, like Scott Legg's dad and like I don't know yeah. Ultron for some reason are all there. And like for and no, it, it's a, a, a headcanon guy. It's like what's happening here? <laughs> They're all just forced ghosts. And I feel like we'd be uh, or it would be wrong if we didn't mention Michael Douglas sticking his hands into goop to control a ship um, at some point in this conversation. But also, um, if we can just get some deleted scenes of him and Michelle Pfeiffer talking about. Uh, you know, their their various partners while they were separated for thirty years. That'd be great too. So, yeah, the, the, that would have been funny. Funnier because they actually have one joke in it. That like, was because yeah, like that was the what I was just like, oh okay, like that felt like in like actually like inherent humor that was grown out of the sure. the the, the, or the situation. And I was like, oh, that's that's great. Like, give me more of that. It was just, I, I laughed out loud at that uh, that and the dick jokes. So anything else on uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania? <laughs> All right. Well, well, we did, Aaron. Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania is in theaters right now. It made $104 million this weekend at the box. That's not bad. That's, I mean, that's, <laughs> no, that's not bad. That's very good. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's the highest for February. It's the highest for uh, Ant- for an Ant-Man opening easily. Yeah. Um, yeah it's uh, do- doing well um, as far as that goes. Uh, with all of that said, when should people go and see this movie? Philip, when should people see Ant-Man? Um, you know, like like Abe said, best viewed on a 13-inch laptop. <laughs> so, no, I mean, give it 90 days or whatever. Maybe it might be a little longer until it's Disney+. Plus. But I'm, I'm just, yeah, I was really, you know, it. Uh, I hope, I, I don't even know how to phrase it, like, it's uh, it's not what I hoped it would be, and it just it just kind of bummed me out, and mainly just bums me out because I really wanted this to be the one that kind of like hooked me after like the kind of scattershot phase four, uh, which I enjoyed uh, still a fair amount of, but yeah, I'd, I'd have to say, um, you know, just wait to Disney Plus if you have that service and, and stream it when it comes on. Joey, before you watch the next Marvel thing. There's no rush to see it just before because if it's all going to build toward a thing before you see the next one, watch this one. Mm-hmm. Abe? Yeah, on our old scale, I probably would say this is like an HBO, like a premium cable kind of thing when it came on premium cable. I agree with Joey. That's a good take. Yeah. Before the next Marvel thing. That's a <laughs> that's a good way to put it. <laughs> there you it's go. It's like if you're following, if you're a fan of this series, but you didn't race out to see this movie already, then you're probably not racing out to see it. Um, so yeah, see it before, you know, when you feel comfortable and before the next Marvel thing. It's like the weird thing about this one, like we didn't talk about spoilers, but like, I don't know that you could spoil this movie. Yeah. Not yeah. a whole lot. Yeah. Like not I wouldn't want you to explain like beat by beat, like what happened, but like, it's not like there's a thing like, Oh my God, X dies or X does this thing. Or like this person that shows up. It's like, yeah. Twitter's not going to ruin this movie for you. Right. They like didn't, you could, they didn't you could give wait. you like an ant death, you know, like an Antony. No, no. I did miss again things I missed from the Ant Man movies. Yeah, there was no key <laughs> ant being named here, and and loss of that ant. Yeah. So, all right. Well, we've talked about Ant Man and the Wasp, Quantumania. We did all that. Now it is time uh, for eight. What uh, what what time is it over here, Aaron? I think it's time for a quick game here. Really? <laughs> Wait for the xylophones. 
Why is it not? Little <laughs> <laughs> known fact that's actually the tune that plays when Scott is entered like the mega ultra smaller quantum realm, and there's like millions of other Scots. That's exactly what happened. Yeah. Uh, I've got a game for you guys this week. It is. Going, going, gone. On a scale of, these are movies in which somebody has been shrunken down or blown up. <laughs> and I will ask each one of you to give me the Metacritic score for these movies. And again, okay. oh boy. we're going to be going, uh, uh, nobody has to raise their hands here. Joey, you were a late add-on, so I've, I've uh, added you here to this uh, player's list. But Philip, since you are our first guest here, uh, you get the first uh, uh pick of i guess uh choice or what's the answer uh beetlejuice what do you think metacritic rating for beetlejuice is um 87 87 okay and joey what about you uh 67 67 okay and aaron what about you I think Joey's more in line here, so I'm going to go a little lower and say 63. Should have gone higher. It's 70. Joey, you get that mm. one. That's me applauding for myself. Thank <laughs> you. Thank you. <laughs> Joey, you get to go first uh, in this next one here. Inner okay. space. What do you think inner space has? Oh, boy. Uh, 40. 40. Okay. Uh, Aaron, what about you? Hmm. It does get small. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty small, yeah. I'll say 51. But, but how small does the 51. Metacritic number get? And Philip, what about you? Um, What did you guys say? You both Joey lower. said 40. I guess lower than I thought, but I don't know. Yeah, Joey uh, said 40 and Aaron said 51. Okay. We'll just... Uh, I feel like right there in the middle of this thing. I don't know. Well, you know what? I'll, we'll be bold and go 75. 75 old yeah <laughs> that is pretty bold here i gotta do some math real quick what it's what 66 so phil you get that one wow wow no way no way uh aaron you gotta go first in this next one fantastic voyage F- fantastic voyage yeah that has what, year, what year is this? Yeah, that's an old movie, right? Fantastic Voice is pretty old. Yeah, it's um the nineteen sixty six movie. That okay. has a that has a Metacritic score. It does. Yeah, I was surprised <laughs> too. Based on one review, um, <laughs> eighty five, eighty five. Okay, um, that's high. Joey, what about you? Ah, uh, oh, I'm sorry. Was that yeah, Joey, Joey, Joey? No, uh, yeah, uh, seventy one. 71. And Philip, what about you? Um, I have not seen this movie, so I'm just going to go 50 because I have no idea. 50. Um, yeah, like right down the middle there, just you know, not sure. Yeah, uh, not the enough. answer is 72, so Joey, you get that one. Almost right on. Look at that. Almost right on. We play the letterbox game on Too Fast, and my co-host somehow, like this is just, it's literally just a straight up number, like how many people do you think saw this movie? And he got it right? And I'm wow. like, what? How? And like, How there's many people no people saw this movie. Yeah. Yeah. Ticket sales. It's, no, no it's like, lo- like logged it on log Letterboxd. on Letterboxd. Oh, oh, okay. But he got, got it. it right. Wow. 
And I was like, there's no way you can win this game because if you get it right, I think you're cheating. If you get it wrong, you get it wrong, right? But like, there's, yeah. I don't know what the, I don't know what outcome I want, but I don't want him to get it right. And it infuriated me. So I guess sometimes you could just guess a lucky number. Uh, yeah, you, you have to go with your lucky uh, number, your, your lucky, your gut number. Uh, you might get it on this next one. Philip, you got to go first. Fern Gully, the last rainforest. Oh, it's about saving the environment. I love that movie, but I feel like it didn't. I mean, I haven't seen it in 20 years, but yeah. uh, um, I don't. I feel like people probably weren't kind to that. But obviously, I don't know. Uh, let's go. Let's go 65. 65. Joey, what about you? Fern Gully. The last rainforest. Oh, man, I, I would not be surprised if this was like any number between like 40 and 90. Like this is <laughs> I think this is the hardest one yet. Wait, Philip, what was your guess? 65. 79. 79. Aaron, what about you? Fernley, it gets small. Yeah. It's a movie that is bad, and people should <laughs> Robert thank... Robert Williams it. is in it. <laughs> people should thank Avatar, because they wouldn't talk about Fernley if Avatar Wait, didn't no, exist. I'm thinking of a different one. No, Robin Williams is in it. He plays Batty. Okay, with, yeah, I was like, with, is he yeah, a He has a metal plate that said he all... He, no, uh... <laughs> Um, who played Bartok? It was um, I can't remember. Um, what's his face? Yeah, it's um, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna look it up as your as your uh, Hank Azaria. Yeah, yeah Hank Azaria plays wow, Bartok. Okay, but it's Christopher Lloyd that plays Rasputin. Ah, mm-hmm. uh, what? Anyway, Fergley, a bad movie. Yes, um, because <laughs> it's not good. Um. Uh, I'll say 58. 58. Philip, it is 67. So you get oh. that point. What did I say? 65? You said 65. Pretty close, oh, nice. my guy. Uh, Joe, you get to go first in the next one. Honey, I shrunk the kids. Oh, boy. Dante um, gets... Or that's Joe Johnson. Never mind. They all get big yeah. and small. <laughs> this is this is the first one in the franchise, right? This is the fir- first one, yes, yes. First one. The good one. 40. 40. Okay. Aaron, what about you? I'll go higher. I'll say 55. 55. And then Philip, what about you? Yeah, uh, I like these movies. We I recently rewatched these with the kids and they like still enjoyed them, even that, that first one. Uh so I'll, I'm gonna go bold again. I'm gonna go like, I'm gonna go like 78. 78. That's bold. Yeah. <laughs> what this game tells me is that Philip has never once been on Metacritic. <laughs> 78 is pretty high there are ants in this movie as well and they are friendly so you know it's very ant-man friendly um the answer is 63 wow so what is that uh, 15 and then aaron you have 55 so that's 12 well okay so aaron you get that point jesus (laughs) we're climbing (laughs) these points (laughs) uh the next one here uh joey i think you went first in that last one so aaron you get to go first in this next one downsizing downsizing oh, a movie that damon special a movie oh. that i think is fine but i think christoph waltz and udo kier run away with um let's see they should have their own comedy sitcom together because they're great together um but people don't like that movie very much i'm gonna say 43 43 philip what do you think downsizing has yeah talk about a movie that gets weird uh <laughs> i'm gonna uh, yeah, I feel like it. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna go right there with with Aaron. I'll I'll, I'll say 45. 
45. Ooh, uh, uh, one upping Aaron there. And then, uh, Joey, what about you? I am going, I'm, I'm so sorry, Aaron. I'm going to box you out. I'm going to, that, that movie is the biggest film festival disappointment I've ever seen. Cause it was the closing night film at a fantastic fest and no one from the movie showed up oh. and it closed out the festival and no one liked it. They're like, well, bye. We're like, wait, like no one's here. Um, so I'm gonna go 42. I'm taking zero to 42. 42. Wow. I like how Aaron, you like really set the bar there, like right in the middle. <laughs> Um, the answer is 63. Wow. Whoa. Philip, no way. No. A Metacritic, so no less. That's, that's, that's a, yeah. That sounds like a Rotten Tomato score, if anything. <laughs> I know. I was like, I think people hated this movie for all the reasons that Joey mentioned. Uh, and because nobody like showed up to all these readings. Yeah, exactly. They were like, oh. Um, I, was just, I was just thinking, like, I could just see that big old red box behind the number next to downsizing. But you're telling me it's yellow? Like, that doesn't it's, seem. It's actually green. <laughs> green a 63 is green. green yeah 60 and up yeah not so not okay I, yeah i was very surprised not okay phil you gotta go first in the next one here not as Al- surprised one- as matt damon was when kristen wig didn't get small in that movie hey <laughs> talk about a failed marriage <laughs> uh philip alice in wonderland 2010 so the johnny depp movie Ooh. I feel like people were like really high on that at the time when it uh, came out. I mean, it, I don't love it, but I'm going to go. Um, I'm going to go in the seventies again. I'm like, uh, let's go 74, 74. Okay. Uh, Joey, what about you? 58, 58. And Aaron, what about you? Very decisive, by the way, 58. Just saying it. Let's see worse than Fern Gully. Let's see. I'm going to say <laughs> 63. 63. Ooh, I have answer... a really wide gap here. Okay. Yeah, it's pretty wide. The answer is 53. Mm-hmm. Right. Joey, you get that one. Nice. Uh, Joey, you get to go first in the next one here. Big. Tom Hanks is big. Ooh. While he's not like, you know, using science or whatever, he does make a wish and he does get to become a 32-year-old man. My favorite thing, one of my favorite things about Comedy Bang Bang is whenever they refer to a big scenario um so i guess this is just a standard big scenario um 70 70 okay aaron what about you big i'll go 78 78 i thought and you were also gonna say 70 i'm like you can't that's the one number you can't that'd say. be that'd be hilarious uh, and then philip what about you 70 and 78 yeah um i don't know i don't know what uh like initial reception of it was um, let's just play it safe and say 69. Oh, 69. Brutal. <laughs> brutal. 69. <laughs> <laughs> Philip, if you had just gone like, you know, a little bit higher, you would have gotten uh-huh. it too. It was 73. So Joey. <laughs> yeah. Uh, last one here. Uh, Aaron and I, uh, we have a favorite. Um, and Aaron, I think you get to go first in this first one. Rampage, <laughs> the Rock movie, yeah, the 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 Dwayne Johnson classic where uh, an ape, uh, an albino ape. First, first, first off, I do like this movie. Don't act like you suddenly like this movie. <laughs> <laughs> you you railed against Terrence. I'm just saying that we we've talked about it on the show. I didn't think it was a good movie at all. I believe the word favorite just came up, but okay. <laughs> Abe rewriting history for the jokes in this segment. Oh no! What am it's I? Like, 
It's like, I don't Ant-Man know. It, it's like Ant-Man going into the quantum realm with the end of Ant-Man and the Wasp and nobody recruiting him like Kang. But then when he goes into quantum mania, Kang's like, oh, we found him. We got to get them all in here. And no, yeah, <laughs> but, um, no consistency there. Um, yeah. Anyway, what were you talking about? Rampage? Rampage I'm going yeah. to say 61. 61. Uh, great movie with starring Barry Pepper. Uh, <laughs> Tom Jane. <laughs> yeah, and Thomas Jane, yes. Yeah. Wait, Billy so, Crystal. Not oh. Mickey Mantle. <laughs> I thought you were saying they were in Rampage. I was like, they're in 61 together, but you're actually talking about 61. <laughs> yeah, okay. yeah, exactly. Yeah. Guys, I understand humor. <laughs> Bill, what do you think Rampage got on Metacritic? Uh, 35. 35. And then what about you, uh, Joey? So 35 and Aaron said, what, 63? He said 61. 61. Yeah. Um, 44. <laughs> Damn it, Joey. It's 45. Congratulations, Joey. You are the winner of this Thank week's you. game. Thank you. Going, going, gone. On a scale of Metacritic for shrinking movies or uh, growing movies. I feel like the thing with Metacritic is that it's always lower than you think it's going to be because this is it's why hard I have to play this game because Aaron is, knows yeah. everything too good, too well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You guys want to play something for funsies? Sure. What, what do we have for funsies? What is the IMDb score for downsizing? Oh, uh, Philip, I'm going to let you go first. Same order as like the start. So, Philip, what do you think the IMDb score for downsizing is? Oh, um, I have God, I have no idea. Um, it's probably something crazy like 2.3 or something. 2.3. Jeez. Wow. I don't know. No, I like it. I like it. I like it. 2.3. Joy, what about you? I think that's a movie that like quote unquote normal people, aka people who don't have film podcasts or whatever, really like. I'm guessing it's like a seven O or something. Seven point O. Yeah, I Aaron. feel like it's the opposite. I feel like if you ever show you pop that on, you're like, what in the hell? I, I, I want to see Aaron's uh, mystical powers here at work. Aaron, well, see- what do you think downsizing? For IMDb scale is. See, Joey, I get your logic, but IMDb is not just the normal person. It's like mostly trolls. Young, it's mostly young white men uh, <laughs> who have specific opinions about things. And so I just think it's like a lot of like moms who are like, I like that Matt Damon. Movie. I think well, there's a handful in there, and that's why it skews it a bit, but I'm still gonna say like 6.1. It is 5.8. I almost said 5.9. I went my, <laughs> my ori- I was thinking five oh or five two, and then I'm like, there might be like a there might be like a reason Abe is doing this. Like it might be like comically high. No, so it's usually my, my, just because it's like Aaron's pretty spot on with the IMDb. I, I don't pay attention to IMDb, honestly, because I think IMDb users on average are insane yes, and can't be trusted right. for that's anything. Why that's why we can't use that that in the games. So, so there's, like there's no there's no good audience score. That's not a no. thing. That's not a thing that's like, oh, this is the one that's reliable. None I, of I think Letterbox is much better. It's still not necessarily good, but I find it's, it's generally that's, that's like the better one, yes. But that's yeah. like because that's a whole system where like mm-hmm. I you know INDB or Metacritic or Rotten Tomatoes, anyone could just do whatever the hell they want to. And there's no moderation on there. <laughs> like, Absolute yeah, chaos. Well, those like, even, games. even Cinema Score, I get what the curve is, so I can I can rely on that to be a certain thing. <laughs> anyway, thanks for that game, Abe. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> Let's get to some out now feedback. Feedback, feedback, feedback. This is where I go over the various questions that are on our Facebook page, Facebook.com slash on our podcast. We have a number of questions to listeners, and they gave us some answers. Let's do this. First question here. What are some great films about children following in their parents' footsteps? 
Scott writes the Indiana Jones films, the Creed boxing films. Chris has Kick-Ass. Irene writes Spy Kids and the Incredibles. And Philip Hurd, not Philip Price, has The Remains of the Day. I just got The Remains of the Day in 4K in the mail. <laughs> so there you, go. there you go. Films about children following in their parents' footsteps. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, uh, Batman Forever. He's got Robin. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. All right. I was like, oh, wow. I literally uh, looked around the room and I was like, uh, you saw the poster? Batman poster. <laughs> Children falling in their parents' footsteps. Um, he is not his parent, but at the end of the movie, friend of the show, Toby Kebbell says, I want to be like you, uncle. I want to be a real rock and roller. So rock and roller. You guys have any? Feel free to throw in any if you have. Movies where kids follow in their parents' footsteps. Yeah, I'm, I'm struggling. Whoa. I'm gonna say sure. Paddington, Paddington because he follows in his parents' footsteps of being kind and polite. Oh, that, well, that, that might nice. be his aunt and uncle, but you know, his parental figures. I thought you were gonna say like, you know, he, he kept as a banker, and I was like, he does. <laughs> uh, Phil, did you have one? Uh, the first one that pops in my head was uh, um, the the new Christmas story, which was kind of about that. Um, sure. Yeah. Uh, so that's uh, just I don't know. Yeah. All right, that works. Yeah, better, I like I it. Thought. Yeah. Okay. Peter Billingsley, Paul Pun up twice in this podcast. <laughs> All right. All right. Next question. What are some great, What are some great films featuring disguises? Scott mm. writes FX and the sequel FX Two: The Deadly Art of Illusion. Uh, Todd Lieben, now friend of the show, writes Mission Impossible. Take your pick on which and Total Recall. Hmm. Chris has Mrs. Doubtfire. Hello, and Face Off. <laughs> <laughs> Luke has Thomas, the friend of the show, has The Running Man, uh, and Philip has Guy Ritchie's Sherlock Holmes. Hmm. Good disguises in all of these. Yeah, Mission uh, Impossible is where it always goes. Mm-hmm. Uh, face Off. I'll, I'll agree with that one. <laughs> I mean, it's uh, the ultimate yeah, yeah. disguise. He takes his face off. Yeah, there's got to be a face-off machine that's from my quarters, right? And he puts his face on and is like, oh, wow, I can't see. Yeah, That's how it goes. That's the plot. <laughs> they had to add fat to... to um, yeah, they had to add... Troy? Yeah. It's crazy. But then they took it off and made it look exactly the same. That's how things work. Surgery that's says. how it works, yeah. <laughs> he held that doctor at gunpoint to make him look exactly like Sean Archer. It was the only way it would make sense. <laughs> Uh, um, the ma- uh, what was that terrible uh, Dana the master of disguise? Movie? There you go. Yeah, turtle, turtle, turtle. Yeah. I'm gonna say the movie Spy because I feel like Jason Statham puts on like insane things to make him look not like Jason <laughs> Statham in that movie. He's also yes. doing really good performance in that movie. That movie's so good. Yeah. Um. All right. Also with the face of the machine. The next question here: What's the best Paul Rudd performance? Scott writes, "I love you, man." Slap in the base. Uh, Chris has wow he really has to has done some bad films I think it's got to be Ant-Man and Philip has the perks of being a wallflower where he plays like the teacher yes yeah yeah best wet hot performance. wet hot wet hot I think it's wet hot too like I was thinking about I was trying to take this question as seriously as possible I was like where is he playing like a character that's like just the best of his abilities there's a scene my friend came up with a phrase, Paul running it, because there's the scene where he's in the cafeteria and he flings his tray and they're like, clean that up. And just the way he like 
I don't want like just the way that he like does the thing begrudgingly. Uh-huh. Uh, she referred to as doing her work as Paul running it, like when you don't really want to, but you're going to get it done anyway. And that scene is just forever burning uh-huh. in my brain. So that uh-huh. that I mean, all of what hot is perfect, but that uh-huh. scene in, in particular. Yeah, I think David David Wayne gets the best out of it. Like he's certainly always fun. He's Paul yeah. Rudd, but mm-hmm. I think David Wayne between that and they came together, even like the the ten. Like I do think just the absurdity that he that he's allowed to do in those mm-hmm. movies really pays off. It, uh, what's it? Yeah. Uh, uh, role models. The role models. Another one. I was gonna. Oh, yeah, role that's models. What I was, yeah, I was gonna say role model. That yeah. role models. I love you, man. Like yeah. 2008, 2009 peak right there for him comedically. I was just like, yes, I love those role models. Good. I watch that one all the time. Uh, I'm just gonna throw in Anchorman as Brian Fantana, but not the movie. The outtakes. <laughs> <laughs> the yeah, what was the what was the whole separate movie called? I can't remember. Wake up, Ron Burgundy. <laughs> Wake up, Ron Burgundy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, Halloween 6 anyone yeah there you go it's a very interesting performance that he's giving in that movie (laughs) I'm not going to say good but it's certainly (laughs) he's certainly playing a role he's certainly acting in a movie (laughs) okay next question what are some other MCU duos we should see headlining uh, stories and features Uh, Luke Thompson writes Jessica Jones and Deadpool I mean I guess I, I don't really have anything off the top of my head though no duos, no uh, Lewis and um, <laughs> and um, <laughs> and uh, Vision. Lewis and Vision. <laughs> um, That'd be fun, right? Lewis and Vision hanging yeah. out. <laughs> just just hanging out. Yeah. If you're talking about hanging out, then it would be Thor and his and his uh, roommate in Australia. But they've already done like uh, mini episodes Darryl? on the. Is it Daryl? Yeah, he's back. He's back. He lives in New Asgard now. He's in yeah. there. Oh, that's nice. He's in there. He's like one of the tour guides or something in the movie. There you go. He made it. I'd take some more um, She-Hulk and Daredevil. There you go. You know, in like a sure. lawyer. that should be pretty fun. Like a like a like yeah. a like a courtroom drama. Something, yeah. I mean, give me that. Yeah, I would like that. I love Tatiana Smalley. Uh, give me Yelena Belova and anyone, just her and anybody. Yelena and uh, yeah. Red Skull. Yeah, sure. Why not? <laughs> the one character who will be back. <laughs> that'd, nice be one, that'd, be, that'd be one of the Force Ghosts. <laughs> you know, actually, show up. <laughs> you know who I want to see, and I don't think I don't know that, why they would ever pair up, but I want to see Yelena Belova and Spider Man because I don't think they would get along, but I also think they would get along perfectly. That makes sense. I can see that. that yeah, I can see that happening. Uh, well, the next question here is: What are some great films about growing or shrinking? Uh, Scott has The Incredible Shrinking Man Honey, I Shrunk the Kids and Attack of the 50-Foot Woman Todd Liebenau writes Inner Space Luke White Thompson has Boogie Nights pretty pretty clever there, Luke uh, Chris has Rampage and Marie has The Fly Ooh He's also falling apart Did not hear downsizing mentioned <laughs> no, no But thank you for mentioning it The fly is a good answer. I like the fly. Yeah, especially part two. Nope. <laughs> I'm not even going to humor that one. Can I count the opening scene of Mulholland Drive where there's the, the tiny little people dance, like the tiny people dancing in Mulholland Drive as uh, shrinking? Yes. Then yes, Mulholland, Dri- Mulholland Drive. <laughs> yeah. A, mo- a movie famously about shrinking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's what that's what the theme was. Okay, okay, I get it now. 
Um, he's he's technically not an elf, so he's kind of like growing, but it, it buddy the elf. <laughs> uh, boyhood, famously about growing. <laughs> That's very a good slow. Very That's over thirteen years, right? Mm-hmm. Jeez, what a good movie! All right, next question. What are some great films about being stuck in another reality? Chris has Palm Springs. Mark mm-hmm. Pace's friend of the show has Tron Legacy. Michael Lee, friend of the show has Inception. Scott has Naked Lunch. Philip has Edge of Tomorrow. Colin would better be. I'm going to throw in the Nick Cage classic. Um... <laughs> Gotta yeah. it out. Because. <laughs> The Nick, no, I should I said the Don Cheeto classic. Um, the Family Man is that what you're going for? <laughs> Good movie, it's a, yeah. It's a Don Cheeto classic, it's not a Nick Cage classic. I will say my favorite uh Groundhog Day time loop movie that was not mentioned already was probably Happy Death Day. I think that's a great oh, one. Okay, Back uh, to the Future, maybe a good one, not a time loop, but you know, an alternate reality. Sure. I mean, yeah, they uh, created a time loop when he goes back. True. Everything, everywhere, all at once. One of the multiverse. Last night in Soho. And that oh, is actually a, a pretty clever a, answer. Does a glorious bastards count as alternate reality? <laughs> well, you're, you're not, I, yeah, it, it's but you're not stuck in another reality. The, the point of the question is like you've 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 left your reality, got stuck in another one. Oh, yes. That's, okay. Yeah. I knew that was too. Yeah, I don't know then. Well, if you think of something, feel free to shut it out randomly. That's what <laughs> we love on the show. Um, the last question here is, Kang is the new big bad of the MCU. What are you hoping for Phase 5? Uh, Todd Liebenel has Dr. Doom. <laughs> I mean, if there's one, if they already have one big bad, I don't feel like they're going to bring Dr. Doom into Phase 5 as well. It feels like they'd be Who stuck. knows? It'd be like, you know, double the fun, double the flavor, double mint gum. It could just be like that. You're right. So never mind. I take my statement back. <laughs> Hashtag juicy fruit. Uh, I'm in hope for like a reason to watch, like something like more cohesion than phase four. Hmm. Fair enough. Yeah. All right. Well, that's enough feedback. Feedback, feedback, feedback. And that's going to bring us to the end of this week's episode about Now There and Dave. You can find more of my work, my personal blog, the code is Zeke.com. Everything I do ends up over there. I write for Wheel of Entertainment and Wise to Blue. And I'm on Twitter, Aaron's PS4. Abe? You can find more fun stuff for my Instagram, Abe.Mua, and Twitter.com slash Waller Smooth. Hashtag, it's like I'm hugging Godzilla. <laughs> Joey Wendowski, where can people find more of you online? I have three podcasts that are active and ongoing. Every other Monday, 1999, the podcast Aaron was just on recently to talk about Toy Story 2. Uh, a year filled with great films. Check that out every other Monday. Every other Thursday, How to Win the Lottery, a book club podcast. And then every Tuesday, Too Fast, Too Forever, where Joe Two and I go through the Fast and Furious movies and various pit stops. And we are in Fast X fever right now. Oh. So go check that out. And I'm at Soul Pops basically everywhere on the internet. Bill Price. Um, on YouTube at Tavern Talk. Uh, just I Tavern Talk uh, a couple times a month. Uh, myself and a guest uh, review one of the bigger releases um, right out of uh, the movie theater right after seeing it. So uh, check us out on there. We have uh, new episodes up a couple times a month. Great. Awesome. You, know, you can find all the other episodes about now. Their name Audio Boom, Spotify, and Stitcher. SoundCloud, Automatic, and HHWLOD. 
feel free to email us at outnotpodcast.gmail.com. Check out our Instagram, instagram.com slash outnotpodcast or twitter.com slash outnotpodcast. And of course, our Instagram page, instagram.com slash outnotpodcast as well. I f- messed that up. Sorry. Facebook.com slash outnotpodcast. We good? <laughs> yeah, yeah. How much you guys done 500 episodes of this? <laughs> yeah, Shouldn't you know, you know it happens. I'm, I'm standing up right now. So. We'll, we'll just cut in another one. <laughs> <laughs> We're keeping that all in, baby. Uh, Joey, Philip, thank you both for joining us this week. Thank, thank you, Joey. You thank you, Philip. Thank you. Guys. Yeah, glad to, glad to have you guys here. Glad to talk about Ant-Man of the Wasp and all the other stuff that we did. Uh, that's going to do it for this week's episode. Next week, we are talking Cocaine Bear. Nice. Cocaine Bear's coming. <laughs> it's happening. Great. But yeah, that's going to do it for this week's episode. So until next time, so long. And goodbye. Welcome back. Your dreams were your ticket out. Welcome back to that same old place that you laughed about. Well, the names have all changed since you hung around. But those dreams have remained and they've turned around. Welcome back.